So, Far Away Lucas, uh, episode 113. It is indeed, yeah. Let's get straight through the housekeeping, because I'm going to follow your lead on this one. You get Let's it. do it's, it. It's taken us 100 episodes to actually do what proper podcasters do. <laughs> so let's try and commit to this. So we've got housekeeping first, and we have a few things on this list, which include... Yeah, uh, so from the next episode, Carl's got a couple of weeks off because he's going on holiday, but after... That we will be recording the podcast live on Patreon from then yes. on. Uh, that is the plan going forward is there will be like a private link through the Patreon that you can uh, go watch us live stream. Uh, Wednesdays, 2 p.m. UK time is rough guidelines for when that's going to happen. And yeah. yeah, if you want to support us on there, you can um, you can go check that out and I suppose just watch us live next time yeah. we record. But otherwise, the podcast itself will still be freely available for everybody. This is just an extra bonus thing for people who are clearly more interested in like the nitty-gritty of the content creation side of things. Exactly, yeah. So um, you know, it'll be open to anyone that can spot us on any tier at Patreon and just the the podcast will be completely unaffected and will be going on as usual. Yep, and um, that's going to be starting from about two weeks from now because I'll be taking next week off and the week afterwards to uh, go visit my girlfriend. Hell yeah. And uh, yeah, next on we have like a new Psycho Apparel collaboration. The Knowledge Demon yes. is back. So I can talk about this one. Um, Psycho Apparel, owned by the YouTuber Ross Boomsocks. We've collaborated with them once again to create a new um, or new bits of merch. I say it's not just a t shirt this time, there's also a zip up hoodie, mm-hmm. um, which is featuring a new Knowledge Demon design um, created by a very talented artist working for those guys. And for anyone who's listening to this on the day of release on Thursday, you can actually go check out the link to that store earlier than near enough anybody else on the internet because it's supposed to go live on Friday, but the link still exists. So pre-orders go live on Friday, as will a video talking about how the collab came about, so we won't talk about it too much now. But mm-hmm. if you click on the link below, you can go check out um, that store, as well as, I think, a, a preview of the Fact Fiend merch store that's going to be launched as well. Hell yeah. also discussed in part. And it's one of those of like, again, you'll have the link early. You won't get the pre-orders early, but you will no. have access to that link to, you know, on Friday, the day after this podcast comes out, just you'll be uh, one step ahead of the game. And the sizing is all unisex, and I believe it goes up to 5XL. So you'll find a description for that. Yeah, uh, a link for that in the have. description. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. That's with the exception of the stuff that we order from the Fact Fiend merch store, because the Psycho stuff, that's all going to be all printed to order for them, but... Uh, basically, we are working with them um, for our merch stuff because they already have all the stuff in place to distribute merch. Because we tried to figure out a way to for us to sell merch on our own, but we just lack the distribution um, network that they do. Exactly, uh, they've already got a, an actual like production and distribution center already set up and stuff. So they it do, makes yes. sense. Yeah, and we'll be collaborating with them. Um, to uh, just release more fact fee merch over the years. And this is one of those other things that we're doing um, to just help keep the channel's coffers looking healthy. So money earned from that is going to to maintain the channel and um, ensure that we like, you know, maintain our office and the equipment and stuff we use to create fact fee videos. So it all just like, goes into um, uh, supporting the channel and everyone involved with it. Which you can also do by helping us out on Patreon. Which, oh, you know, there's a final Lucas you've got. There we go. Ah, flawless. And... Um, yeah, you can just check out the Untitled Side Channel Patreon. Again, link is in the description. And just help us out making some fun new content over on that YouTube channel where we're letting our creativity just flow. Um, yes. 
and just doing stupid stuff like I've got the the idea to on the Patreon survey people for like a family feud type game show for a stream. Yeah, uh, do a game show stream. Not date not decided yet, but that's that's one of our ideas. And just yeah, we just want to go on and have some fun. Yeah, and then if you can't, you know, we don't want to encourage anyone to spend money on us. Like, just go watch the videos. Yeah, because that's it's the more I think the encouragement of like, oh, the content we're creating is appealing to people and they enjoying it. So just check those out. But without further ado, Lucas, that's all the housekeeping out of the way. Yeah, oh, not God, what else we need to mention? People need to send us questions for QA episodes at carlscornerqa@gmail.com. Okay, that too. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> it snuck up on us. There's more, but I'd rather have things that we do are mentioning because is there anything? Well, there obviously I think body wrestling, but so I'm speaking a bit too uh, hyperbolic here. But is there one of the things in life that's just it makes you feel like ah, that pang of just secondhand embarrassment when mm. someone talks to you about all the things they've got going on, and you just know they've got nothing going on. Oh right, yeah. Or if someone's like, yeah, I've been up to a lot recently. So, oh, like what? So, I can't really tell you, but you know, big things are coming. It's like. You've not got I felt that, really yeah. bad as well because we were those people before the Untitled Side Channel launch. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, there's lot, there's lots going on. Honest, honest, honest. There's a lot of projects. Lots, there's a lot of uh, things in a lot of. It's like the thing with me with the merch store because mm-hmm. uh, I keep getting the messages of like, um, "Oh, Carl, like do this, this." No, I'm actually, really busy at the moment. Like, so, no, you, you're clearly not because the channel's winding down. So, no, I'm working really hard in the background on this. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I guess I can speak a little bit to like, the merch store coming because there'll be another video about announcing that specifically. Yes, uh, yep. That's something I'm collaborating with um, Psycho again. They're just going to handling the distribution. And but it's my girlfriend who got me to set that up because one of the things she's encouraged me to do is take a step away from the business side of running Fact Feed and Big Wangs Incorporated Limited because the sheer stress involved of having every single business decision have to go through one person in addition to every single bit of creative output also going through one person, all the writing and stuff being done by me, all the hosting duties being taken by me. I didn't realize how much I'd actually taken on until that was yeah. pointed out. And it's just like one of those things of like, I think we were mentioning in person the other day of like a, a video where you're like, yeah, but you know, like uh, the person doesn't really do much. I was like, that's the goal, Carl. Yeah. Like the goal is to like have everyone else doing things for you and you can sit mm-hmm. back and enjoy like, the the gains of what you've accrued over the years or at the very least the things that i do are the things i enjoy so the creative aspect so Mm -hmm. i'll be focusing more on the creative aspects of the channel so like writing content for the side channel or like the little things i've done for that like um uh, the new series i'm trialing out just longer and uh more like not off the wall but like closer to what like fact fiend um at the point where it's it's most successful Mm where like the longer form content of just like drinking and having fun yeah. Like leaning more into that of like, yeah, because that's the thing I enjoy about making the videos is talking to my friends. So I was encouraged to take a step away from the business aspect because it just stresses you out and trust that you've built up relationships with people enough where they can run it on your behalf because they know how you do it. Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm doing in regards to this merch store where she's running that in collaboration with Psycho. And I'm still like, you know, signing on the dotted line for all of stuff like that. But um, it's been just a weight off my shoulders but I don't have to specifically answer every single email means you can like, take a bit of a breath take a bit of a breath yeah and focus on things that I'm like the things that I'm better at mm-hmm. which is the creative aspect so definitely keep an eye out for that folks at home yeah. that is also a project I've been working quite hard on and as somebody that has some of the merch like I'm enjoying it so. yeah I am as well because it's free in it it's not free I'll have to pay for it well, completely <laughs> unbiased person Lucas who's like profiting off this says that the merch is pretty good and also mm-hmm. the knowledge demon design is sick as always 
the, the Knowledge Demon's amazing. It kind of makes me feel bad because the designs we have in our own merch store are a bit more simple, and that's because that stems from we were trying to do it on our own, mm-hmm. and the more colours you have in a print, the more you have to pay. So we're like, of let's course, just go yeah. for simpler designs, like the Big Wangers logo, the Fact Fiend logo, um, just like a, a silly design that says, like, I'm a big wanger on it, mm-hmm. and um, a metal logo, uh, a Fact Fiend in the... Uh, like, um, generic metal style which was taken from another piece of artwork that i own that's on the redbubble store that we're going to try and slowly translate to the new store that we have but we have to figure out a way to get it printed but we'll like keep the silly options like bedspreads and stuff on the redbubble store just yeah but anything that's like t-shirts and hoodies and stuff like hopefully we can translate over but yeah we will but if anyone wants those like uh more eclectic designs that are on the redbubble store you can still get those but we're going to try and transfer those to the, th- the store that we own so mm-hmm. that way more of the money goes towards us and can be used to fund our own endeavors. But I understand if someone out there wants like, well, I don't just want to see that there's like just the fact fiend metal. I want the full design. So we can't realize that just yet. But Working after this it. initial glut of sales goes through, that'll give us some capital so we can start investing in other designs and start fleshing out what we're able to um, uh, sell to our audience. But past just, like selling stuff to our audience, like what what's been going on in your life the past week? What's been going on in my life for the last week, Lucas? Is I've been working, mate. <laughs> and I'm working specifically in the sense that I'm working on things that I don't want to announce because they're things that are going to be on the title side channel at some point in the future. That's fair. Yeah. yeah so there's a few ideas I've been working on in regards to that. So that is that exactly I said. I've got stuff going on. I just can't tell you. Honest. And one of them. One of them is the commentary track. Uh, so the vote went through for that. People wanted to do The Thing. So I've been uh, just watching The Thing. What thing? The, the movie The Thing. I was joking. I was, I was okay, just no. trying to, to be that the, guy. The, the Thing. So I've been watching the original 1982 The Thing movie um, while making notes just for little um, uh, things I want to talk about it while also researching as much information as I can so I can create a commentary track for that for our audience. Um, uh, and that's just been really fun because that is something I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And have you ever watched a movie twice in a row? Like, like, is that a thing? Have you ever done that? Because it's a really strange experience. So the closest I've done is when Avengers 2012 came out, like the Avengers movie. Um, did you watch it multiple times in the cinema? No. So what I did was, well, te- yeah, I did, I did, but that wasn't it. Mm-hmm. It's like I watched um, a marathon of the first five movies and then went and watched Avengers and then after doing that at like midnight I got on a train a few hours later to go back to Liverpool to start another marathon with another group of friends to then go watch Avengers again and spend like 24 hours awake re-watching the same six movies yeah, to be fair, that's basically what I'm talking about there. It's like mm. watching... Many people re-watch things they've seen, but just watch something almost immediately afterwards with the uh, the fresh eyes. Mm. So it's weird to describe them as fresh eyes, but what I mean is like, okay, you've you've watched all the stuff that they want you to see, like the stuff that's in frame and like you know, you've got the story, but now like, you don't need that. You can keep, keep it out for details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know what's happening in scenes, so you don't like get distracted by action. Like when I'm watching The Thing and stuff like that, um, not stuff like that, but when I've been watching the thing, one of the things I've noticed is like just some of the, the background details in that movie, especially okay. like the the uh, the hindsight of having access to all the information that I've researched. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, like uh, some of the film was filmed on location, some of it was filmed on a soundstage that they artificially kept cold, and it's just fun to try and like been watching it back and seeing oh which parts are on a soundstage, which parts are which parts are actually in the wilderness, right? Yeah. 
or knowing some things like, oh, how this effect was accomplished, and then rewatching it after I've learned that and go, okay, can I tell that the effect is that? Can I pause it here and see if the effect goes since, oh, you can see that, but something I never noticed on a first viewing. And that's been a fun experience. But I guess like the Marvel movies, the, re the way you do that is like doing the fight scenes, like looking for the stuff you missed. Because I know like the end game fight was like really good for that, like stuff happening in the background, like mm -hmm. how are the ducks in it and things like that. And the Ravagers are doing stuff in the background. Yeah, and like um, I've just recently, because I thought it was going to finish this year, been re-watching Attack on Titan, and I'm very salty oh, about that still. That was an amazing story, though. So, um, so tell people what happened with that. So Attack on Titan, the final season part two came out Is it year. called the final season? The final season part two. Is that what it's called? Yep. That's amazing, okay. So not knowing anything about where the manga was up to, uh, there was like a few episodes left to watch from like, I think uh, I was watching it with a girlfriend I think we had like six or seven episodes to watch plus the final episode that came out that day yeah. that day and then uh, as we googled what time on Crunchyroll does the episode debut my girlfriend saw an article of like oh they announced part three you like, like what? what what do you mean part three come in 2023 what so they've left like a third of the final like arc of the manga to a third part of the final season coming in a year. And just that's a quite unique thing to have happened, but I'm it's bullshit like, how, is what it's called. How deflating an experience was that to be sat there, excited, genuinely enthused about what's going to happen. And then just it and all then, came crumbling down. And we weren't even close seconds. enough to the final episode where we realised there's too much story to be all wrapped up in one episode, so clearly there's going to be more. We genuinely thought, like, we've got eight episodes left or whatever. And you thought you were going to binge and experience the final part of the series, and then it just... You had that... You had it snatched away from you, essentially. Like this enjoyment, this this moment you thought you were both going to have, just mm -hmm. taken away. However, getting back to the, the main point, is that I've been re-watching it, and there's some really, really cool things that you don't notice on first watch and i won't okay. get into it too much but like there's a lot of um there's a lot of like politics involved with attack on titan there's a lot of um characters not being who they say they are and stuff and mm -hmm. they leave little details in the background of like hints of characters you know being on the enemy's side quote unquote like they, they just straight up show you in the background but you don't see it because that's not the focus of the shot and stuff like and that and then you go really back great. and watch it and it's like oh he's like it's right there it's, he's about to, to do the thing and then you don't see it but then when you're rewatching it it's like oh my god it was there as a hint like 10 episodes before they were revealed to be a bad guy it, and Agatha all along Agatha it, Agatha from uh, uh, WandaVision Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, it was Agatha all along. And he yeah. just goes back and shows that she was there the entire time. You just didn't see it. Mm -hmm. She was in the background the entire time, just secretly doing things. And, and yeah, I absolutely adore stuff like that. I was like, oh, my God, like, we should have known all along. But, of course, we didn't because you were focused on this one thing that they're drawing your attention with. But but in the same vein, there's something happened about where we're watching the thing because there's... Uh, a couple well we've talked about the thing in a few videos before and mm -hmm. uh, the the film is deliberately made to be vague in a number of regards um the most obvious one is the ending the ending is deliberately framed as it's vague you don't know what the ending is it's open to interpretation 
and John Carpenter infamously um, was just criticised for that by an audience member who said, and I quote, oh, I hate that. When he told them, well, the ending's up to you. Who do you think was the thing? Expecting them to be like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I want to go talk about it. They were annoyed because the movie didn't explicitly spell out what happened. Just no level of critical thinking. They don't want to have any level of critical thinking at that point. But the one that surprised me is there has long been a fan debate of... uh, if you, if you, I'm guessing it's been a while since you watched the film. Never watched it. Oh, you've never seen the thing? Okay, but you're familiar with the the in like the broad concept, yes? I've seen many videos like breaking down the VFX and talking about the ending okay. and stuff and like had conversations with you, so I'm aware of a lot of the film. I've never okay. watched it, though. That's like one of those weird quirks of living in the modern world and having access to all this information. You don't need to have seen something to have felt like you have. Mm-hmm. My one for them was Titanic, where Titanic was such a massive part of pop culture for so many years... I felt like I'd seen Titanic without ever having seen Titanic. And then one day I just sat down and watched it when it was on TV and went, that's basically everything that I thought it was, except for there's a lot more action in it than I expected. And you and needed found like out. 82 hours to watch it. Like, Yeah. I found out after the fact that, do you know Titanic was originally billed as an action movie? Mm-hmm. They sold it as an action movie in, in the trailers and stuff, and early trailers were cut to be an action movie um, until test audiences were more invested in the uh, romance subplots. They f- changed it to be a uh, a romantic film. It's why it's so surprising that it's James Cameron being the director, because yep. like it's not in tone with any of his other work. But it is if you watch it, and you see like the ending scene, it's like disaster porn, essentially. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Because the whole, po- the whole film was supposed to build up to this giant, huge, disastrous climax. Mm-hmm. And the reason that you attack- get- watch these characters is so that their untimely death on the boat is all the more surprising. Because it's one of those things, you're supposed to watch it with that impending sense of dread of, you know how this story ends. You know this boat's going to crash. Mm-hmm. But it got recut and retooled to be a romantic comedy. Anyway, uh, in regards to The Thing, um, one of the moments in it that's been long debated by fans is there's a moment in the film where someone sneaks in um, whilst a guy is just stood there and they're cloaked in shadow and mm. then uh, it, it fades away. And it's like, oh God, that's who was that? Who was that person right there? And, and then they're a thing. Because that's what you're thinking that they're a thing. Who was that? And it turns out that um, uh, despite fans arguing for years about who that is, um, John Carpenter, the director, is like, well... It's not actually anybody. So, what do you mean it's not anybody? Well, a lot of the characters in that film have a very distinctive silhouette. Like mm. Kurt Russell, for example, has a giant beard. Um, Wilford Brimley's character is quite overweight. Um, uh, the Keith Davis character is bald. So, the actual person in that scene is a stagehand. Oh, uh, right, okay. So, the, and the stagehand like a quite generic build and they're wearing like a hat or something. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's just that thing of um, fans are arguing about who it's supposed to be and it's literally nobody that was there. And it's, and it's like that thing of it, he was so committed to making it as ambiguous as possible that he didn't even get the actor it's supposed to be in the script doing <laughs> that scene. And in fact, in the script, it never establishes who it is. It just says a figure. Oh, wow. And I like that, that, like, there's that dedication, that absolute commitment to the idea that there's some things in this film I don't want you to know. I mm-hmm. want you to talk about them endlessly. And then fans getting annoyed about, and then arguing with each other about whether or not, whether their interpretation is correct. Like, but that's not the point. The point is, is that you are supposed to experience the same level of paranoia about this moment as the characters, because you don't know who that was. And I'm, I'm basically giving people a preview of what my uh, commentary track's going to be. It's going to be me throughout the film just going, you're not supposed to know who does this. And 
that does seem like a movie where like just as you say the commitment to the bit is incredible yes and i there's it's really hard to think of modern equivalents as i like there's obviously bits in like marvel trailers that are um re-edited or like cut differently that's just lies though isn't it like yeah it's a a straight up lie about what's going to happen in the movie and um you don't get away with it the absolute commitment to you will not get an answer out of me there's also as well like the thing of he didn't even get away with it at the time because as i mentioned when he made the ending to the film deliberately ambiguous and was hoping that he was hoping that and giving audiences the credit that they'd be smart enough and la- and have the critical thinking ability to understand that it's okay not to know the ending because that's the point of the film. Mm-hmm. He, he was shat on for it. So It's so gutting to hear because, about. Like, this is a movie that we're still talking about, what, 40 years later or whatever, and not just us, like other people as well, but... Yeah, there's a really great fan site that I want to shout out called Outpost 31, and it's got really, really good... Uh, background information on the film and a lot of uh, stuff that's really hard to track down uh, just as a person who researches things we live in mm-hmm. they have like a lot of snippets and things from like really old interviews and books and things and transcripts that's of cool. um, commentary tracks and things that are really really handy for someone who's trying to um, collate together a bunch of information about the making of that film and I, I you know shout out, I love those kind of sites it's like I get a lot out of um, there's a cutting room floor for video games and stuff and like I, but just the idea that yeah there's a website dedicated to this people talk about it still if they just straight up told you who was the thing at the end like that would have been it no one would no one would talk about it now no one would give a fuck yeah like no and the idea care. that people are mad about that but like it's proven itself throughout history that the mystery people want the mystery and they want to find out and they never will which is why there'll be like an endless debate and you know, attempt to try and chase that mystery. Or it could have just been another ending to a movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, wow. I was just like, I saw on the website, I was just like um, uh, scrolling down. And I just like, because I've been straight on all the um, uh, the background stuff, but I was looking at the about page. The guy who runs it. Mm. Uh, so we have it here, Todd Cameron. He found it in 2001. It's been the number one fan site for the thing for... Um, going on 30 years now, he still has the original poster that he had from 30 years ago. Man. That's commitment right there, isn't it? Yeah. He's kept the original poster for 30 fucking years. What a legend. I saw something the other day, and it's like just reminded me of like a poster for um, Majora's Mask. Oh, I just... And it's like this, this is... weird thing where... They've, there's like someone posts on Reddit like, oh, I've got this poster from like the year 2000 for Majora's Mask, and it was mm-hmm. the moon like really ominously behind New York City with the twin towers in it. Okay, what? And it's like, yeah, because the twin towers were still in New York City at the time. But why is it for Majora's Mask? Uh, it was just an American poster for like Majora's Mask of like uh, the apocalypse is coming, the moon is going to fall on Terminator, but they use New oh, York tra- City. Oh, there's a lot of stuff like that though isn't there there's, there's there that is, old yeah. class there's that classic one of like Mario in one of the comics from years ago like falling over and knocking over the twin towers which mm-hmm. is which is real and it's just Mario going whoops and it's just one of those things of like guess what people use them a lot because they were a landmark and it's New York fucking city there's an album that came out I think on the day before 9-11 which had the twin towers blowing up on the front of it oh my fucking god 
because that was their thing of like like in the uh, original King Kong movie he climbs up like Joe or I think one of the King Kong movies anyway mm. he doesn't climb up the, uh, the Empire, Empire State, State Building he climbs up the Twin Towers and jumps between the Twin Towers mm. so he said they were an iconic part of the city skyline Bad time as well. He, like, yeah. He's got some room to dodge there. There was in the um, original Spider-Man movie as well. Like, there's that really f- now infamous cut shot from the initial trailer for Spider-Man where he catches a helicopter in a web strung between the Twin Towers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I forgot about that. And, uh, and obviously they cut that scene out because it's a aircraft flying at the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But right decision and, to make yeah. there. And if you go back and watch that movie, you can actually still see the Twin Towers in the reflection of his um, uh, suit sometimes. Because they had to CGI it out and they forgot to do that in some scenes. Yeah, and it's just one of those. Yeah, it's just, guess what? Like, people like using landmarks a lot. And they were yeah. one of the biggest. They were, they were the biggest in the world at the time, weren't they? Yeah, it's just uh, like when you've got stuff in the UK now, it's always the, uh, the London Eye that gets knocked over. It's not Big Ben. Uh, Tower, like the. Is it Tower Bridge or Bridge of London or whatever? Yeah, like? it's, it's Tower Bridge, Big Ben, and now, more recently, the London Eye. If they do Paris, it's always going to be the Eiffel, the Eiffel Tower. Tower. Yep. You go to Japan, it's going to be like Mount Fuji or the Tokyo Tower. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just, they it's have just that for every... Yeah. yeah, like Chicago. Like, look oh, no, at, sorry, San, San Francisco, the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, and like the when um, Mission Impossible, like that even more one example, like the Burj Khalifa. Burj Khalifa, yeah. It's like, yep, they're just 100% just like, it It was a big landmark and that's why like people wanted to use it a lot and obviously they wanted to use New York and New York just so happened to have them at the time and it's like just one of those weird things where it looks really ominous now but yep. it was just a picture of a city with some Zelda like, like branding on it as an advert. Like, and It's just one of those things it's quaint to look back upon. Mm-hmm. To see it, because uh, I thought you were going to go in a different direction there of just favourite movie posters or posters that are really good or strong in your mind. Mm. But uh, so I, I was uh, while you mentioned, it, I was like googling my favourite one to bring it up, but that doesn't matter. No, no, <laughs> right, you, yeah. you, you went in a completely different direction. I was thought you were going to be like, oh, Majora's Mask. Oh, that's a game that got some really sick like artwork for it. It really fair. does too. Also, also yeah. that. But like, um, it's interesting talking about movie posters where like, um, the like pub quiz video the first one that we did for like the untitled mm-hmm. side channel yes. um i did like a quiz where like i zoomed in on movie posters like guess what they are and i one of them that i used was pulp fiction and brad was like i don't recognize that poster What's that? the pulp fiction one's so famous though yeah. is that the uma, uma thurman on the mm-hmm. bed one yep and i was like it that, broke I, my brain that, that like someone hasn't seen that poster because that was on like everybody's wall in unit <laughs> that's literally what me and nisha said yeah yeah it's like, but that was on like everybody's dorm wall. Yeah, the Uma Thurman smoking a cigarette. I've just got it up here. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's classic. It's like the one of um, Jules and oh god, who's John Fox? Vincent. They're kind of like pointing the guns. That's like oh, the yeah. other one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But that's more like just an iconic shot. I don't know if they yeah. use that for a poster, but yeah. There's a lot of unofficial ones. I had that poster on my wall in university. Mm. Fair, yeah. That's surprising because I thought that was just so permeated throughout pop culture of just. Again, even if you've not seen Pulp Fiction, you've seen that poster. Yeah, you've I You've seen I that, that shot. Hmm. And that was Very one strange. of those weird moments. That's, that that's like, surprising. Wow. I, I thought that just that that one poster would have been a poster that's like, everybody's seen that. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Uh, uh, that's oh, really at least of our age, yeah. Because it's like, just so Just in prevalent. that right time period to like, 
everybody again like you know all those uni students going back and being like man pulp fiction and like what a cool poster and stuff and people I'm, making it their entire personality yeah yes 100 percent. like people memorizing all of um, samuel L. jackson's just monologues and shit and it's like yeah yeah i did drama and uh, i remember many people trying to do that speech the, the ezekiel speech it was like either the ezekiel one or the one in the restaurant where he like talks down the gunman like yeah, those are the one. two that like yeah all my drama friends always like wanted to learn off by heart and then because i was studying media and by extension film and uh, film criticism and theory the amount of weirdos who were like just obsessed with quentin tarantino and like he's a very good filmmaker but when you make your entire personality just talking about his films it's like okay like yeah. quentin tarantino by his own admission is like a pastiche homage filmmaker like he just rips stuff off from everybody that he's inspired by yeah like look at kill bill like it might as well just be two movies of like just quentin tarantino being like i really like these films yeah that's that's his um filmmaking style isn't it yeah 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 and it's like it's great i love quentin tarantino and like uh well i love his movies anyway he's a very strange man yeah Yeah, he's a very weird man but like uh yeah his his movies are like some of my favorites and i really like them but there was always those people that were like too obsessed with tarantino films they like him just a bit too much Mm mm-hmm which is something Quentin Tarantino himself from what I've learned about him and seen from my interviews and stuff is that he doesn't take film that seriously he does does in a sense that he's a director and he's like he's a scholar of film criticism but in regards to his own movies there's that famous quote about him of like or from him why do you why do movies have so much violence in them it's like because it's fun sometimes you just want to have fun it's like why did you put Uma Thurman break dancing people's ankles off with a samurai <laughs> sword in your movie it's like because it's fun yeah i want like, it to work think, with whooping mm-hmm. i think it comes across in like the idea that he made a double like a movie double that was meant to be a movie within his universe of movies like when you're doing that dumb shit of like well it's elevated violence in kill bill compared to the elevated violence in his already like all the movies and yeah he's just like yeah it, it clearly doesn't take himself and his films too seriously but people so like why to do weird. it for him it's weird to see people taking his movies seriously and it's like you know he's got a lot to say with his movies but at the same time he understands that sometimes he just wants to have fun it's like Bruce Willis getting killed on the shit or whatever oh no yeah, um, like, it's John Travolta isn't it it's John Travolta dies on the shit yeah, Bruce Willis yeah, yeah. machine gun that's still one of the best things in that entire fucking movie is just Ving <laughs> Rains walking across the road with the donuts. It's oh, like, yeah. Motherfucker just gets hit by the car. That's exactly what you do. Like, oh, yeah. shit. I, I don't it's know. Such an, fuck it. Hit him with a car. Such an unexpected. Just when he looks, he's like, motherfucker. <laughs> one of those, like, bits of film history lore. Um, I, they talk of the existence of the forbidden Pulp Fiction cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Pulp Fiction, um, great example. And I think it's one of the reasons it was talked about so much in like, when I was doing film studies and things like that, because it's non-linear storytelling. And it's one of the most famous examples of it, if the film is shot and shown out of order. Yep. And you see multiple different perspectives, and you see them at different points in time. There is a long-standing rumour uh, that I've seen mentioned in a couple of interviews with Quentin Tarantino. Where he's alluded to it, where uh, one cinema did not realise it was supposed to be shown out of order and recut it to be in order. 
<laughs> so it was like a chronological... Supposedly there was a chronological cut out there some people saw. And Quentin Tarantino's talked about being aware of this rumour. And in some interviews, he mentions that he saw it or was aware of it. And he finds it funny. Which it's that thing of like, presumably out there, there that does exist because someone will have done it. And it's not hard if that didn't exist to like go and do it yourself. Go put it together yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. there's already so someone's. If it, that rumor isn't true, someone's already done it anyway. But the idea that there were people out there who maybe saw Pulp Fiction on release and they saw a completely different version. Now imagine those guys talking to people who saw Pulp Fiction. Mm. Yeah, like the the intended original cut, and how baffling that would be that conversation mm. with them. Yeah. So I've always been I've always uh, been curious about whether or not that's true because there are allusions to it existing but there's no hard evidence. There's like a few scant references in interviews with Tarantino and I'd consider him to be an authority on his own movie mm-hmm. but at the same time that seems like something fun to lean into that doesn't really harm anybody if it's not true. No, exactly. Like uh, as we said that is a thing that you can just achieve yourself by cutting the film. Mm-hmm. It's not as if people are going to miss out on something they really want to see just you can do it yourself. But I just find it really hilarious. If, like, if that did happen that would be fantastic if it did I'm just like wait they, they, the movie's all mixed up what's yeah, going on I bet, I bet I figure it's like um, a bigger example of all those posts you see from people who will go home with ripped jeans and their mum just sews them up oh have you seen all those ones of like people <laughs> visiting home with ripped jeans and having their um, uh, ripped jeans sewn up by the parents oh no so it's just like but a, a movie mean, making I, I example. I suppose of that. that's like what you should do now because we're not trendy anymore, Carl. Rip jeans aren't trendy, which no. means that they'll be trendy again in five years, maybe twenty. So that happened, wasn't it? When we did the um, the big stream, the Shill Fest, mm-hmm. because we were like me, you, and Nisha. I think we're wearing rip jeans or something, <laughs> and just be, people like, oh, well, you're wearing rip jeans. It's like, is that really a thing people comment on? It's yeah. such a baffling thing to comment on. Like you've got skinny ripped or rip jeans, like is now a faux pas. It's now a, a fashion faux pas. Well, mm-hmm. if people watch my video. I don't care about fashion. No, me neither. Clearly, I think if you but see if, a picture of me, you can tell. But, but if we did care about fashion, I would one hundred percent go get um, uh, just that jacket that Bruce Willis wears in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> no, specifically the one that he wears when he runs over Ving Rhames. It's like it really surprises me as well because like every now and then, just like a fashion TikTok will come up on the thing of like. Oh, um, like either how much did you spend on your outfit, or here's how to spend money on an outfit. Mm-hmm. And people, I saw one no joke the other day where it's like, it's not hard to be fashionable on a budget, and they broke down the outfit they were wearing. It was like four hundred and fifty dollars. Yes, like, one uh, outfit, and they're like, it's not hard to be fashionable on a budget. Yeah. So actually, that's something I can talk about because. Something, a magazine that I read on occasion and a cha- one of the few channels I f- actively follow mm. on YouTube is GQ Magazine. Okay. Because while I'm not the most fashionable person, I do find the idea of fashion to be interesting. Yeah. And just um, GQ have a new series been putting out over the last couple of uh, weeks, which is advice for men, because, you know, GQ is a men's fashion magazine, like how to wear certain things and, like, basically here's a way to just fill out your closet for any occasion. And they have Mm -hmm. one on jeans. And it's like, everyone owns jeans. If you own these kinds of jeans, you're basically set for any occasion. And here's how they'd be worn. And they have examples of like their fashion editors and stuff. And they have pictures of celebrities wearing those kinds of jeans and potential outfits for them. Mm -hmm. And I just found that. That's a really... And they have one of the things as well. They'll say, okay, here's some good entry-level ones. And they're like, you know, 
it's GQ, it's ads, you can get links to them. They'll say, if you want to splash out a little bit more, want something a bit more hardware, you know, this kind of jean is your favorite, mm -hmm. you can buy it maybe buy a more expensive one here. But if you, money's no object, you want to treat yourself, get some of these. Yeah. But, and they, something they clarify is like, we want to clarify though that the cheaper option is still very utilitarian. It'll see you well for a very long time if you know how to wear it and wear it like this. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's just really good, solid advice. And I think they've done one on suits. Like here's the different kinds of suits that you can get an explanation of like the kinds of fits that you can get and then just advice on how to wear them, what to wear them with, examples of people wearing them. That's a really handy thing. Yes, I've seen plenty of people out there who just don't know how to dress themselves, myself mm -hmm. included, because I've taken advice <laughs> like that. Mm -hmm. And just little things like that, like one of the ones I learned is like, um, what's that the whole thing, like not mixing colours and fabric, like just basic colour theory of like these colours clash. And they clash in a way that is um, unappealing to the human eye mm -hmm. and the visual palette. Don't do this unless you're deliberately doing it. In which case, you say, have to do it in this specific way. You have to really like lean into it and make it a, like do it in a in a way that works well. Like there are ways to make clashes look good. Yes, but there's like a couple of like really just simple things that once you realise or have them explained to you, they make sense. Mm -hmm. And just ones of like, okay, these colours are slimming wearing these like you know this cut of jean or trousers for example makes your legs look longer which is suit better for people with this body shape or people who are perhaps self-conscious about this one aspect of their body mm -hmm. and that's the thing that's existed for women for a very long time but when it comes to men's fashion so seldom um is brought out and when it is discussed you'll always get men just aggressively um uh, fighting against it so, but it's advice that's going to make you look better yeah why would you not Carl, want to look better but carl let's just all accept toxic masculinity and just be done with it, yeah? Just it's like, insane. do it. Just, oh no, but like, caring about the way you look, that's that's girly. It's like, or it's like appealing and should be done by more men. Ah oh, well. Ah oh, well. That's one of those things I just found really interesting of, um, I don't ascribe to the idea that I want to be fashionable. You're not going to see me wearing what's currently fashionable right now, but just I, a lot of clothes I wear are quite basic and utilitarian, but to know these are the things that fit this body type, these are the ways you can wear these clothes. It's um, fine. All, to accentuate certain features. All that you have to do, Carl, is like be unfashionable, but frame it in the way I do of like, no, I'm a trendsetter. Yeah, that's Just a, tell people that like, I, don't, I don't follow you sheep. Like, I'm a trendsetter. And it's like, it's just my excuse to wear like shit looking shorts. I'm well, not actually, like... but it's just like. There's ways you can do that, like, you know, go against the grain. And that's, mm -hmm. as you alluded to earlier, not wearing wearing things that are intentionally counter to what fashion or colour theory and stuff would suggest can in itself be fashionable if it's worn in a way where it's worn with confidence. Exactly. And, like, I, I just yeah. always it's find interesting it to me. When people are like, well, you're not very fashionable. I'm like, no, I'm a trendsetter. I'm a trendsetter. But I, I'm not. You are, Don't get sense. me wrong. I think like... you are. You say that you are. Because how many times have you had people derisively, like, or jokingly call you like ninja, or one of those other YouTubers who have bright coloured hair when you've had that haircut for about two years, like ten years, fifteen years? Yeah, yeah, true. You have looked like a generic YouTuber for your entire adult life. <laughs> before there was a generic. Yeah, YouTuber before before there was like a generic profile. Like, because I think like the look of a generic YouTuber is either. I think we both fit into it. It's either skinny white dude with long floppy hair mm -hmm. so me or it is guy with beard and glasses mm -hmm. alternately guy um with like bright colored hair which so i've between just melded my, the two yeah 
between me and you, we are essentially just an amalgamation of all YouTubers. And we're both white men, so yes, uh, white cis men, and it's like, great, yeah, we've we've ticked those boxes, Carl. And I've just like seen we... something come up on my, my PC, and I'm just like, let's all respect just happy birthday tobacco go. <laughs> and just, what? What? And just so just like happy yeah, birthday sure. back could go from like my hero academia from my hero. yeah of course so his birthday is on 420 yeah of course it is yeah. that's when we're recording this mm-hmm. and yes i know for all the people who says yeah i know 420 is also hitler's birthday so yeah because that's what people ba- always happy do happy back ago's birthday everyone happy back ago day it's katsuki back ago's time <laughs> fuck hitler <laughs> i'm all about um just What's his hero name like? Murder Explosion God Dynamite or something like that. That's the one. What a king. What a legend. Like, living his best life. Uh, but just, what a random thing to pop up. It's it back just, it just popped up Because I, like, clicked on Twitter because I wanted to talk about something today. Okay. And then uh, just going to find it, I just saw, like, a tweet from My Hero Academia official yeah, page. Like, happy birthday back... Fair enough. Yes. What is it you were looking for, Luke, to talk about today? I, oh, I found a post, Carl. I, I don't want to go too much into fashion advice because I know someone's going to say, but you look like shit. And it's like, I know, exactly. but I'm tr- imagine how much more like shit I'd look if I didn't follow this advice. Imagine how much more tired I'd look if I didn't moisturise. Yeah. Like, imagine how much worse I'd look if I didn't wear moisturiser and uh, like uh, wash my hair properly. Uh, so, Carl. Yes. I know this is a weird question. Okay. But my boyfriend Wait, likes to spend a lot of his free time digging a tunnel on some property that he inherited. What? <laughs> this is where it's going. Okay, so what what set the scene for me? How did you discover this? this what was are you just talking about? A post going viral on Twitter. Okay, so we're doing the whole like we're gonna read a Reddit post out. We are we're it's gonna always read Reddit it's always post. Reddit when it's a weirdo. Got it. And it's how can I get my boyfriend to stop digging his tunnel? So I wanna know, like so, a lot of these like relationship posts are people digging themselves into a metaphorical hole. Uh, yep. Is this this guy's digging himself into a literal hole? A literal hole. Yeah. I think we need some context here. Uh, there isn't much context. At the very least, can you can you read out the rest of the post? I'm going to read out the rest of the post. We'll okay. go through it. Um, okay, please, please do. So next bit is like I haven't seen the full extent of it, but the last I saw, it was remarkably deep under the surface. He spent roughly a year on it, and it's evident. The front of the thing is deep, wide, well put together. At the front, which is the only part I've seen, he's got cement beams, electric lights, even chairs and a small table. I haven't gone into it, but it looks like the quality severely dropped as the tunnel went further, mostly becoming open dirt and some wood beams holding it up. My biggest concern in his is his safety. I'm really worried that he's going to dig it too deep and it'll collapse on him or something. I tried voicing this concern to him, but he just laughs it off and assures me that he'll be fine. Aside from safety concerns, there's also the fact that he doesn't really have a social life anymore because of this thing. I'm pretty much the only person he still talks to outside of his shop. He doesn't go out and do anything anymore. I guess in brackets, beside digging a hole. Besides um, digging the hole. Uh, it used to be that occasionally head out and do some digging on the weekends. <laughs> now, now he spends almost all of his free time out there digging the hole. He still comes home, but he barely spends any time with me, and I don't know what he is doing apart from digging that goddamn hole in the ground. This can't be good for his mental health, but I don't know how to convince him to stop. 
He's always really happy when he comes back from digging, <laughs> which is why I really haven't tried to stop him before. But I was talking this to a friend about real. him. I, I, I'm going with it, but uh, she told me he might be going crazy. Obviously, I don't think he's insane, but I hadn't considered that the mental health aspect of this, and I just don't know what to do. TLDR, boyfriend spends all of his time digging a tunnel. I'm worried for both his physical and mental health. So I just... Where does that go into someone else's property? Because you mentioned that. Is he just, like, digging it so in he, just one direction? It seems like he has inherited a piece of land. And, and just the decision that he made to, like, make use of it was to dig a tunnel. Presumably, like, I, I guess he's going to, like... The plan is to turn it into, like, a hangout spot or a bunker or something. I'm not sure. But it sounds like, you know, he's done some work on the opening of it and is now, like, expanding it. Just, he's just digging an owl. All he does the all day. He's, he's wakes up and he digs an owl. I, he's, she says he's got a job still, so he's still holding up his job and like barely and his relationship, come, and he's got this tunnel. He just comes in and just digs an owl. And I've seen like quite a few posts about this today, and I don't know where to land because like some people like this really isn't good. So the the original post was like, "What the fuck is going on with men?" And then the, the other people like, "Yeah, the guy's got a hobby. Leave him be." That's not a hobby. It's a hobby <laughs> that is. Because that's the thing. A hobby stops being a hobby when it is the only thing you do. Like when it is actively taking over your life and by the sounds of it. Like if this guy was playing FIFA, it would just be, it'd be just as damaging to his relationship. It, it sounds he, like it started out as a pretty healthy hobby. Of like He was just going out there and doing some work on it on the weekends and he's really happy about it. It's but just now it sounds project, like yeah. it's become an obsession. It'd be like what, if he was like working on his car. So maybe like playing FIFA is a bad example. If he was working on a car... Mm-hmm. Or like you know, um, uh, going out to a tool shed and tinkering with something like that. So that's fine. But the fact it's like second one walks through door, shovel in hand, out to the home. <laughs> Get to the home. Like, to the point where he's he's clearly neglecting her, so she's had time to make this post and stuff, and like be concerned about him. Lucas, there's no Wi-Fi in the home. There's no wife so in the hole either. That's why he's safe in the home. Well, girlfriend, but you know that didn't that so didn't rhyme quite no- as well. There's no Wi-Fi in the home. Yeah. No escape. Can't get him. It's impressive. Is, is anyone else allowed in the home? It sounds like by choice she hasn't gone into it. I don't want to go into the home. It sounds dangerous. I mean, it's, 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 it sounds like he, got, he knew what he was doing because it. It's got like tunnels and lights and stuff. The idea in there. that yeah, he's he's got like cement beams in there and shit and like lights and stuff. He's started the the project very well and then just could decide i don't like the life fitting part i'm just gonna dig some more i'm just gonna keep digging the hole like he's trying you, you can't dig away from your problems but this guy's he's, he's trying he might do it and i'm, I'm just like I, as i say i don't know where to sit because i'm like this sounds like something that's a, you know a, a project of his that is not harming anyone that it sounds like he's being productive with his time but then I, I obviously don't know how structurally integral like this tunnel is looking but he's still it putting reminds, up wooden beams and stuff yeah. to try and support it it reminds me of just it's an obsession and I've written mm-hmm. a few articles in the past about like weirdly obsessed or dedicated people there's mm-hmm. a few examples like screen swap had one of them uh, as a guy known as the cookie rustler and this was a, a mystery perp who for about three or four years would walk into a supermarket and every day he'd get every single packet of cookies and bread and crunch it up 
and just every single day not buy any store, of it not buy any of it no but they go in and they're just like all their cookies and all their bread they're just being squashed and that was just something that this one random person did. And the one reason that story was so funny is that the store said we've lost like $20,000 worth of stock. It's like, why don't you just hire someone to stand near the bread? Get a security card. The fact that they let it go on for so long and never realise, like, well, maybe just make someone stand there and watch the bread. And then kick the guy out. Like, So after, like, you know, it, if it happened for like a week straight, you think then you get the guy watching it. But the fact it happened for three years and there's interviews with the owner of the store, like, I don't know what to do. It's like, <laughs> move the bread. hire a person. First thing, get like, a member of staff to still like God. But just for several years, all a guy's hobby was is just walking into a store, crunching up all the bread and leaving. The side that you haven't heard of this story, Carl, is that um, he actually was doing it to 30 different stores. Yeah, like, that's, that's the question, isn't it? A couple of obsessive people. Like another one was um, uh, a guy in, I forget which country now, but he's known as the Phantom Shitter. And he's just a guy who every couple of months would break into a golf course and shit in one of the holes. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember you mentioning that once. The Phantom Shitter. And it's just, uh, it reminds me of that kind of energy of it's just something a person did for a joke, but then got obsessed with. Mm hmm of this seemingly arbitrary task that they just now have to do seemingly out of just some sort of um, just mental obligation mm-hmm. and this is part of their brain that means they have to do this some compulsion to continue digging this hole that is safe in the hole and it was just it's, it's bizarre because like you go down the the comments the of hole. this tweet and oh, it's just the rabbit hole <laughs> it's like just a bunch of men just posting pictures like yeah men like digging tunnels Men like making big holes, just like... Is this, is this the thing with men digging holes? Apparently, just like, men have some weird thing where it's just like, do you want to dig a big hole? Yeah, I want to dig a big hole. To and- be fair, like, I as a kid, I did dig a big hole once. How many times at the this beach the would you, like, dig a big hole? Digging hole, yeah. That's the thing, um, as a kid, uh, we used to live near um, a farmer's field, and I remember it's one of those things, like, I feel bad about it now, but as a kid, and you just don't realise, mm-hmm. where we go into the farmer's yeah. field... And uh, right at the very edges of it, there was like a lot of crops that would grow. Mm. And uh, when they were newly growing, one of the things that you could do, which you realise when you're like, you know, a working class kid who's not got much to do in his life, you you pull it out of the ground, and it has like you know a big clump of dirt at the end, course, but you've yeah. still got hold of like a bunch of um, uh, uh, vegetation. Mm-hmm. You can throw that, and because of its weight and its design, it'll fly through the air quite sat- in a satisfying way, and you can throw that at your friends. And we started to call that Oddish Wars. You know, like the Pokemon Oddish. Yeah. Just like grass on top and then a bulb at the bottom. So what we started doing is just going to that field and throwing Oddishes at each other. And then we decided, well, we got, if we want to do warfare, let's set out. so we started digging trenches. So we went with shovels and dug oh like God. two six-foot-deep trenches, like 10-foot wide in this farmer's field, and then we'll just throw rocks and cluds of dirt and sticks and the um uh, the titular oddishes at each other and we that was like every day for three weeks and that's what we did like every day for three weeks during the summer holidays one year and so we walked to the field and saw that one of the farmer's tractors was like stuck in the hole and we left yeah so i can you know empathize with the the desire the urge the compulsion to dig a big hole and it was great because i saw one and it was just like oh um a reply to this tweet of like, oh, this news article of a man spent years building a tunnel from his shed to the house to avoid rain. There's, there's a bunch of stuff like that. There's a, 
I, I mentioned like, I wrote articles about weirdly obsessed or um, dedicated people. Mm-hmm. There's a guy in India who cut a mountain in half um, when his wife died because she couldn't get medical aid. Like his village was like so far away from medical aid that it was like a four hour round trip. Mm. So he went, you know what, fuck that. And he spent like 20 years of his life cutting through a mountain so that the trip went from being four hours to like 30 minutes. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's examples of, well, there's another one's like a postman who built an entire church because every day on his um, journey, he'd get a rock and he'd put the rock in his back garden. And after like five, 10 years of doing it, had enough rocks to build a small mound. And then after another 10 years, he had enough rocks to build like a small structure. And by the end of his career, when he retired, by that point, it become a, an obsession, a compulsion, because like, you know, I, want, I get a rock every day. He'd built an entire church in his back garden just from all these rocks. Fair, yeah. Because just every day he got a rock. And it's one of those things where just after a while, it just becomes something you do without even thinking. And it's like the guy, just he'll come home, go to the home. I just, I don't know. Like... Of all things to do when That's, you inherit it's, it's, it's a very It's a very weird thing to get obsessed with, but there are many examples that I've written about in the past of people doing exactly this, just getting mm-hmm. obsessed with one thing. And just after a while, it becomes second nature. And like, it's, like, uh, we've it's probably one all of those of like, part of me thinks, you know, he's not hurting anyone. Like, what's the problem? But then at the same time, it's like, well, he's clearly hurting his relationship with his girlfriend. And he's clearly yeah. abandoned all aspects of social life. He's just tunnel man now. For the whole... It's, it's warm in the hole. It's safe in the hole. It is. Safe down there. Yeah. Like, how many bodies has he got to bury? That's the question. It's like, I'm not digging like, a grave, of course. Just dig a tunnel. What I'm wondering is, like, what's he doing with the dirt? I wonder if he, like... He's probably dug another hole and buried it. That's what I'd do, but... <laughs> that's an old <laughs> joke, is that one? build one tunnel, and then yeah. you build another hole to, like, fill that- the tunnel. That's the old joke, is that one of like um, prisoners get, like, escaping from prison. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so they dig a big tunnel and they get out, and the, the warden's pissed. And years and years later, after the warden's retired, he bumps into one of the prisoners, recognizes straight away, and he walks over to him. By that point, they're both old men, so they're not going to arrest you. I'm long past that now, but it's always bothered me how you got out. So we're talking out. But yeah, but how did you, what did you do with the dirt? He goes, simple. We dug another hole and buried it. It's just, I'm probably doing that joke very poorly, but mm-hmm. there's like it's a it's one of those shaggy dogs. The actual joke's supposed to be about ten minutes long, so I'm just like, for brevity's sake, mm. here's the punchline, here's the setup. Well, have we never uh, never watched Great Escape Car? Yeah. No. I know you have, obviously, but well, be, yeah, everyone did. Everyone's watched. Every British person at Christmas has seen Great Escape. Yeah, and like for anyone that doesn't know Great Escape, it's like yeah, they dig an you know, <laughs> They're in a cron- they're in a camp, aren't they? And it's like they dig a it's big bullets. tunnel and get out via that but what they do is like they put a little bit of dirt in their pockets every time and just yeah and they go outside a bit of time and drop it in it's one of those things it's a trope now but it's this guy digging his own i respect him mm-hmm. i respect him digging his own and i'm like yeah maybe you should like cut back on tunnel time to give a bit of time with your girlfriend and your friends no uh, do you know what luke no tunnel, Fuck it, tunnel time tunnel yeah time. just in the home what time is it? It's tunnel time. It's, it's tunnel you time. You haven't slept in three days. Tunnel time. Gets out, gets home from work. Because I'm imagining like he works like a, is a businessman and he gets and he's got like full mining gear on like a <laughs> a coat rack. Like he comes home in like a business suit with a, like a briefcase and like a sandwich. And then he just goes and he takes that off and he takes his glasses off and he takes the shirt and tie off and he puts on like a high vis jacket and like the miner's cap and just straight underground. I imagine it's one way or the other. It's either that 
and he's got full setup and he's got gear and he's got all this concrete and you know tools and equipment and stuff and he's like ultra prepared or he's a guy with a shovel and a pair of jeans yeah and it's just one of those things where he was checking if he could and then just kept <laughs> doing it and just never stopped to question whether he should have you, wait, have you ever had anything like that in your life then where it's just like a little thing but you just out of sheer morbid curiosity you just kept doing the thing to see what would happen I mean like, I kept playing Final Fantasy 13 that's fair because like do you ever do that thing when, I'm talking about when I was a kid but I think like a lot of men mm-hmm. are quite emotionally stunted. Yeah. Of myself included. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in this thing. So it took me a very long time to realise that. But like so they still act like children. Like, do you know when you're a kid and like, you know, get like um hang nails and stuff and you pick at it and you know it's bad, but you'll keep picking it and then eventually like, you know, you'll rip a big chunk of your skin out. Oh right. Yeah. Ever done stuff yeah. like that, or like scratching at a um at something and, and you just out of sheer boredom and curiosity you'll scratch until you bleed. I, I know what you're on like about, that. but I can't think of any outstanding examples. Specific examples, yeah. But like, I do a lot of the time where I I get like hyper focused, and I'll be yes. like, I'm going to move one object in my office or like in bedroom or something, and then and next thing you know, it's been like eight hours, and I've and you've rearranged everything. everything, and I've I've like gone through and categorized everything in a different way yep. and stuff. But, and you know from experience coming to my house that I've done that like five times in the last few months. I, every I've, time I come around to your flat, like every other week, and I'm like, what's the configuration of the house today? Yeah, I've moved ev- because just there's something in my head where I just sometimes just get obsessed with, okay, there's a more efficient way to lay out my house and my living arrangement, mm-hmm. and I'll just pull apart everything, put it back. And that would be it's not as extreme as, as Tunnel Man. But it's the same mindset of just like you just get weirdly attached to this one thing mm-hmm. and obsessively try and fix the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, much to like your own. Um, uh, I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, there's a word I'm thinking of. Sorry, like just even though it's not the best course of action, it's still something you feel compelled to do. It's like to your so own detriment, not, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Detriment. Yeah. Like for better or worse, it's the thing that I'm going to do, and I don't care. Yeah, it's like, I actively know that this is a bad idea, but fuck it, I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. And then you get like four and a half hours in, and it's like your, your entire house is in disarray. It's like, well, I've committed now, so now I have to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's where it is, and that's probably what Tunnel Man's done, right? He's, he's just too, he's literally in too deep to stop. But at least, like, at that point, it's like, at least work on your infrastructure a bit, mate. <laughs> it's like I said, the guy is like the stories about people cutting through mountains and stuff. It's like he's clearly got the skills to to make some work on this tunnel, yep. but he's got so obsessed with the digging aspect. Yeah, never underestimate just the power of a person who's bored. Mm-hmm. Like someone who's just bored and has nothing else in their life to do, apart from dig a tunnel. Apparently, dig, dig the tunnel, become the tunnel, safe in the home, no just down where it belongs. He's just down where it belongs. Of nature hole. and gravity. He's in the hole. He's going to do it. He's going to charge people to come into the hole. That's the question, isn't it, though? Like, what's this man's plan? Yeah, do you know what? He probably doesn't have one. Yeah. He's like, well, like, like I said, I'll just... keep going and eventually I'll figure out what to do with this thing. Yeah. Plenty of examples of it. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, like, the, um, uh, what is it now? Um, uh, Great Escape. Mm-hmm. Do you know thing of, like, just now hitting the ball off the wall mm-hmm. have you ever been in a situation like where you're just doing some like mundane task like that and you just sat for like eight hours not realising that you're just doing this one thing over and over and over and over again 
Yeah, not actively. Like no, anytime, anytime I'm in a weird situation, I've probably got like just some kind of Nintendo handheld console on me, and I'm like Pokemon. Yeah, fair enough. But if, like, there's um, that example in Friends. I think is a good one. Of, like when they're throwing the ball backwards and forwards, mm. and then it's just like four hours, and they just get, oh, let's just see how long we can do this. So I think like during lockdown, that happened a lot. Like one of those videos that got uploaded, one of the random things I recorded is me throwing tea bags from like the furthest point in my room away mm-hmm. to try and get like curve shots on. And that was just one of those things where I did it. One of the things that I do during lockdown because I was just so fucking bored. Yeah. Is, oh, every time I make a cup of tea, I'll throw a tea bag into the pot. And I recorded myself doing that. Cause like, you know, I've got quite good at it now. I can do it from across the room. And it was Adam who's been on the channel a few times. He recorded one of him doing himself like, a more impressive one. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, now I need to top that. And we ended up doing like 15 separate videos of us just throwing tea bags into cups from like as far away in our home as we were doing like trick shots, bouncing off walls and shit. And that's how Carl became a trick shot TikToker. I should do that. The thing is, TikTok was a thing when that was happening. I mean, I could have caned it on TikTok with that. I mean, 100% it would have been. It just it we would have been less aware of TikTok at the time. And it wasn't the big deal that it is now. But yeah, it's just, I can fully empathize with what I imagine the guy's situation is, but I'm still looking at it going, it's, it, when I do stuff like this, I can recognize that it's not healthy, but I have the self-awareness to realize, okay, it's not that big a deal. Like me rearranging my house for the second time in like four months is not the biggest waste of time. It doesn't impact me because I can still use everything in the house. Mm-hmm. It's not like boarding on that OCD level where people will like throw things away or stuff like that. That's fair. Well, yeah. Just the home. Into the home. Mr. Tunnel himself. Just... If, if, you, if you're listening, Mr. Tunnel, man, like, please he's, reach out. Let us know what you're doing. He might have like, listened to podcasts while he's down there. He might. It's in the home. But please, please reach out. Let us know your plan with the tunnel. I'd be so scared to walk across that guy's lawn. I want to know how big this plot of land is. Sounds like he could have, you know, built a fucking house or something. It is. Not just sticking the tunnel. Sticking the tunnel. Wait until, though, like someone else digging a tunnel crashes into him. It's true. Like, and they're all intersecting, and there's just like this underground network of just like weird men who dig holes. <laughs> but that's what I did like when you said, though, there were just men posting pictures like, look at the whole high dog. <laughs> just that thing of like, there's what, just talking about lack of self awareness, mm-hmm. of a thing of like just a thread with the title, like, what are men okay? And men be like, I love digging holes. Just Look at my hole. Men replying like, I want to see the tunnel. Let I me, see, let me go, see Dad. the tunnel. Let's do it. That's great. I, I love that about the internet, though, where every now and again something will happen where the internet's now like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like the one of, what was it, that sarcophagus that got opened and there was juice in it. And everyone was just harassing like the museum, saying, let us drink the skeleton juice. Oh, no. Oh, was it like the Ever Given, that transport tanker? When he got stuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then when they were, like, trying to free it, people were, like, actively, jokingly, but in that really funny way, like, campaigning not to remove it because the world the world makes more sense. <laughs> it was, like, when they released it, it was, was trying to, like, put it back, put it back. <laughs> oh, God. The world makes more sense when the Ever Given was stuck. We want it back. That was that was some tough times. Just it was just one of those just glo- literally global events that everyone could rally around. Mm-hmm. Just well, and, yeah. everyone, everyone's fucked now. Yeah, we all the world made sense when the when the boat was stuck. Put it back. 
That was a good... <laughs> just the hole. Oh, man. It's a shame we live in a flat. I could go for digging an hole right now. Should we dig an hole? Should we have, like, a like a untitled side channel thing? We're just digging an hole. Is that what we're doing with the Patreon money, then? We're, we're just going to buy a plot of like... land and dig a big hole. We don't need to buy a plot of land. Like, I'm sure if we, like, do it at night... Like, is there a law against us digging an hole? You think? Uh like, what's the legality of just go? Like, I'm guessing, like, if you're in a public park, you're destroying or damaging the park. But like, if you go to the beach and dig a hole, cause people dig a hole on the beach. How far do I go down before someone comes up and says you should probably cut that out? Yeah, like, it's obviously like, like I, in real life and lawfully you have to have like planning permission and stuff. But you no one's going to go to a kid on the beach either and say you're not allowed to dig that hole. Mm. So how far would that kid have to get down before someone steps in and goes, "Okay, now you're taking the piss." Yeah. It's like, Let us know in the comments. Let us know. So if you like, yo, email kylescornerqa at gmail.com if you've got the answer to my question of like, am I allowed to just go dig a big hole? Where can we find a place to just dig freely dig a hole? By the sounds of it, if you opened up a place that would just let people dig holes, like men would pay to go do it. Mm-hmm. Probably. It's like those ones where it's like a... The places that you can like rent out a room to just beat the shit out of things. Oh yeah, like those destroy rooms. Yeah, like, people pay to like just like throw things. Over. Or, like, I've always wondered why. Um, there's probably like an insane bunch of like legal reasons you can't. But um, getting scrap cars and just letting people like destroy them with sledgehammers and stuff. Mm. Like, why is that not a thing? It probably is somewhere. It's a super niche. But I thought like. That'd be a really easy way to make money. Because, like, how many people... Like, people always want to, like, just be violent and destructive for no reason. And that's the weird so, thing is, like, I always kind of, like, thought that was, you know, a bit exaggerated of, like, oh, yeah, like, all men just love want and destruction. But then I picked up a sledgehammer for the first time. Yeah. And then that, that doing itch it, comes it? in, and you're like, what can I break? Yeah. What can I smash? So like years and years ago, it was a friend of mine's dad was a builder, and um, he was just knocking down their extension. And it's just, and that's the thing as well. He basically got it done for free while he was having a beer, because he was trying to knock down like a wall. Mm. And he just went to us like, "Do you want to help?" And we were like, "Yeah." And we spent <laughs> an entire day hitting a wall with a sledgehammer. And it's probably like the most unsafe giving a kid a sledgehammer. But like, that's the thing. Like, I think about now. He was getting free labor out of me, and I was having a great time. Yeah, they're just hitting a wall with a sledgehammer because you never have, like, you're never allowed to do it. So it's something you're not allowed to do. Something you're the opportunity to do it. Um, it's quite cathartic. Yeah, and I, I just remember that time. Yeah, just the first time I picked up a sledgehammer. It's like, well, we've got some furniture that needs breaking. Here you go. And I'll do like, it. Well, here it is. Here's the moment that it. I like realize that all men seem to just have this instinct, and it's not an exaggeration. I will never forget though. Like, it's probably the closest I've ever come to dying. And it was, because um, I lived on a council estate, so fly tipping was very prevalent. So there'd be often, every couple of weeks, there'd just be a big pile of rubbish somewhere on the estate, and then it'd take a few more weeks for it to get cleared away. But um, during the time it was there, that's when me and my friends would go pick through it and see if there's anything in there to play with. And I remember one time, because we had a secret base that we set up where we, like, dragged, and it's like, thinking back to it, it's like, how do I not die? If we, like, dragged back, like, discarded mattresses and chairs and stuff mm. to a place that was next to the train tracks but hidden by some brush 
So we had like a secret base next to the train tracks where we just had like a bunch of old chairs and mattresses. And then like a bunch of cans of pop that we managed to get and just like hide um, uh, in like some boxes nearby. But one time we found like an old CRT TV and we dragged it to our secret base and we just spent like a couple hours breaking the TV. And how, how I nearly died is, is I picked up like a big brick and I threw it straight at the glass. Oh no. And it bounced off and twatted me back in the eye. Oh my God. And the hell. corner of the brick hit me in the eye, but luckily it wasn't sharp. Mm -hmm. But I got a black eye and I had to tell my uh, mum and dad that I got in a fight with my mate. <laughs> and I just think back now of like, just like it was really funny because my friends were laughing their ass off, but mm -hmm. that could have killed me because that was like a literal house brick flying directly into like my 11 year old skull. Mm-hmm. And I could, and we were next to some train tracks where, and if, if, presumably, if I would have like fallen over, my friends would have run away and not told anybody. I still remember, like, yeah, that time when I like, killed my sister. What'd you do? I spanned her on a chair. Oh, did she fall off? Fell off, hit her skull on the radiator on the oh, corner the of it, so and cracked the skull. Why open. are they allowed to exist? And it was like, oh no, okay. Uh, and just me and my neighbour stood there for a couple of seconds, like. What do we do? And then it's same like, wait, no, go me. scream and go get the adults. Like, yeah. get us off. Same thing happened to me and my brothers wrestling on the bed, bounced off the bed. Um, uh, my, my younger brother fell backwards onto the corner of a radiator. Yeah. Like, head first, split the back of his head open. It's like, just talk to any kids that just have siblings. <laughs> like, did, did one of you did, crack someone's head open on a radiator? Did you almost kill your brother? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, 100%. And you know what, Lucas? Um, I'm going to take a quick break now, because I think there is one thing you want to talk about, isn't there? There's a movie you watched that you'd like to talk about. We're doing this. So before we get into that, I'm going to take a quick bathroom break and grab myself another um, uh, cup of coffee. I'll be back in one sec. Yeah, no worries. Oh, so apologies for that, Lucas. I just needed to um, uh, freshen up and grab another drink. But yeah, as I alluded to, you've uh, you watched another movie recently, didn't you? Uh, you like to give your in-depth thoughts on it, so. I believe I saw um, what is known as like the greatest piece of cinematic history of all mankind. Yeah. Okay, the greatest triumph in cinema since Citizen Kane. Uh, far superior, I would say. Uh, okay. As far as I'm, as far as I've been told by others, anyway. It's... Okay, so as far as like weird men are concerned, it's the greatest movie ever made. Mm -hmm. And that is, of course, The Joker. So I think myself and you talked about this a while ago, mm -hmm. and we both expressed that uh, due to the conversation around it, um, largely from weird men insisting that it was the greatest movie ever made, myself and you wanted to wait until that conversation had died out so we could watch it um, uh, with an objective eye. Um and it's definitely not an objective eye because of anything like yeah they probably soured me on the movie a little bit by insisting which was abhorrently that just like this is the greatest movie ever made yeah and there's all the stuff about just like the director of the film Todd Phillips was in did such a poor job of helping sell the film because he was just such a piece of shit in the lead well, up no, to the he, movie he had which... to make the Joker because comedies don't work anymore yeah uh <laughs> for anyone like doesn't know essentially like he was I had to move away from comedy because this woke culture is getting too much and people can't make jokes about anything he says it's as, like, like it's always sunny here's season 14 and the reason he said that is because the hangover part 3 was poorly re like uh, received 
because it was a shit movie, not because we were all too quote unquote woke. Yeah, I have the quote from him here if you're interested. Um, uh, so in 2019, the aftermath of his dark drama, The Joker release, he stopped making comedy films because of the backlash of woke culture, saying, go try and be funny nowadays. There'll be articles written about why comedies don't get work anymore. I'll tell you why. It's because all the fucking funny guys are like, fuck this shit because I don't want to offend you. It's hard to argue with 30 million people on Twitter. And that's from um, the guy who made Starsky and Hutch... The Hangover, which, you know, it's quite a good movie, but then Hangover Part 2, Hangover Part 3. And I will say that, like, yeah, Hangover, He's got some the good original movie, on there. is, like, pretty good film. Uh, Hangover Part 2 has Ken Jong being good in it. Then Hangover Part 3. Is a movie. Yeah, but it's just that line. It's like, okay, that's just such... Not only is it wrong and offensive... It's just like it's so up your own ass, and that's I think it led to me having this image of the film as being like so pretentious. Call that, like I'm call telling let a me serious tell you movie about the word pretension. Okay, fuck my life is this movie pretentious as shit? Because it's been on my list for a while, but for me, I've still not managed to get past. And it just came to Netflix, just, and I was like, fuck it. Yeah, so that's why you watched it to clarify. But yeah. for myself, it's just I was unable to move past just like. I don't really want to support the work of a guy who's just this up his own ass. Mm-hmm. Go on. So tell me, Lucas, what? Tell me about the pretension of this film. Just, I feel like it's somebody that read a description of mental health on like Wikipedia and went, "Right, got it." <laughs> and it's like, oh no, but like, yeah, he he dances and laughs because he's awkward and. The world is all like the worst, and I'm gonna kill people. It's like, all right, like don't get me wrong, decent movie, like decent is the right word. I'd, I'd say like, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty well put together. It's not too long. Like Joaquin Phoenix is Joaquin Phoenix, so he's fucking great in it because mm-hmm. even it's, playing it's, it's a Joaquin shit Phoenix. role, he's fucking Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, just it's the most contrived surface level interpretation of like poor mental health I've seen in a long time God, I've just got some quotes about the making of the movie here Luke's trying to hear about some pretension so uh, Todd Phillips um, uh, in regards to Joaquin Phoenix's casting said that the goal was never to introduce Joaquin Phoenix into a comic book movie universe the goal was to introduce comic book movies into the Joaquin Phoenix universe to be fair I'm all about the Joaquin Phoenix universe <laughs> but just that thing though of like but again, my like, movie is bigger than your all of yeah, like it is bigger than all of DC's canon. It's like what you mean some of the most popular celebrated characters in all of Western fiction. Mm-hmm. These characters who are going to exist in some form or another forever because mm-hmm. they've existed for a century are now so ingrained in pop culture. Your movie is what's going to um, you're gonna and what he's saying there is I'm going to allow those characters to step into my art. Yeah. It's like fuck off. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that isn't coming from like Joaquin Phoenix because he knows it's coming from the the director, yeah. Because Joaquin Phoenix is a method actor, and he was probably just in character and was not too. Wait, so he was uh, sending dead rats and cum rags to to his other staff, mm. like, right? Yeah. Probably not. No, no, that's not how method actors work playing the Joker. No, no. Just just Jared Leto does that then. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Got it. Thought that was the yeah, but that's the like regular. just that. 
that descriptor of like we are going to graciously allow comic books to enter our universe. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so we'll continue about the, the pretension, Lucas. Pervasive characters in all of media. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, like uh, you know, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm all for like different interpretations of characters, but when you've decided that I need Thomas Wayne to actively call poor people clowns. Um, and have Bruce like interact with the Joker, and then have Thomas and Martha Wayne murdered by the Joker's cause, actively causing Bruce Wayne to become Batman. Like, uh, well, at what point are we saying like this guy wants to just fuck up Batman? Like, there's also as well just that element there of it. It's a dis disservice to mentally ill people that they could so easily be swayed and turned into people who just randomly walk around shooting well, people. Well, it, it's a class crime thing. Is like the the whole point of the Joker in that movie. Like, is he's sitting there on TV saying like, "Oh, nobody knows what it's like to be us," and someone like Thomas Wayne would walk past you in the street without giving a flying fuck about your struggles. So then it's like all about, and he, he like kills some people at work, um, for Wayne Tech or mm-hmm. whatever the company is, and that that like you know Thomas Wayne's company and like Wayne Industries they kill he kills three rich people so of course like everyone's like yeah now I'm I'm a poor person gonna be like kill all the rich yeah let's do it and it takes a triple homicide against three businessmen to like apparently turn home off of Gotham, Gotham City into anarchists that are like fuck the rich let's murder them uh, okay it's like alright okay it's, 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 it's a it's, movie you've only like, got two hours to tell a story I get it but it's film student levels of symbolism though isn't it mm-hmm. of like oh, do you know who's really evil the rich mm-hmm. do you know who the real villains of society are the, yeah we know you know who the downtrodden we, we all like, know. The, the downtrodden people are the mentally ill and the poor. It's like yeah, yeah. We, we. I, I'm aware. You don't need to throw it in my face like it's some deep insight. And then it's like obviously but that's the thing. You know, it's, it's he's presented going, as like a deep insight, isn't it? He's going to therapy, and obviously, like they cut the um, the mental health services, so he can't get therapy anymore. And it's just that weird thing of like just it kind of takes this character that's meant to be really traumatic and horrible and evil and it's like the almost like the pornification of mental depression and like mm-hmm. you know psychosis and shit like the fact that there's these people posing on those steps as if like being the Joker is an aspirational thing it, it just it's a really just weird movie that almost like takes away from the progress of like talking about mental health and like to to clarify for people like you know my mental health has been up and down over the years and I've been in our therapy and stuff like I'm not I'm not saying this because I'm an expert on mental health I'm saying it because it's a frustrating thing to see is like just this man being made to seem like oh he's like a depraved icon yeah, there's also that thing as well of um 
because the film is, as you just said there, it's about inspiring a revolution by shooting people. Mm-hmm. And how, you know what? If you just shoot rich people, we can inspire a revolution, which is, you know, that's a pretty bold thing to put in a film. Yeah. And to glamorize that, because in the film, it works, right? Oh, yeah. It works. And, like, as a result, and Todd Phillips is there talking about, I don't make comedies anymore, I'm making serious movies, was understandable. People wanted to talk to him about this concept. And he was asked straight up, and I believe Wahin Phoenix was as well, like, are you worried that this is going to cause copyright, uh, copycat actions? And this is one of the reasons why, like, you know, the bad taste of the film's not so I can't watch it in an objective sense. Mm-hmm. Of, and his response was, fuck you, I don't want to talk about yeah. it. And, dis- and then disinvited journalists from the premiere. Oh because he didn't want to talk about it. They make the Joker out to be some kind of like anti-hero. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you're doing that, like, and you want to create this out, and that's the message you want to send, like, you should be willing to defend that position. Mm-hmm. But when he was asked to do so, his thing was just like to dismiss them as trolls and just disinvite journalists from the premiere who want to ask him about the artwork he'd created. And again, it, it says it all. Like, I think we talked about last week of just like, people using the term woke as a bad thing is like the perfect litmus yeah. test for our souls. It's like Wahine Phoenix also. Because I've got like, just some discussion about it here and some uh, just some, some facts. Like Wahine Phoenix refused to answer a question about whether or not it could potentially inspire mass shooters. And you might think that's a bit of an unfair question to ask an actor, but keep in mind that there was a mass shooting at the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, there, there Not was, inspired by the film, but there is a precedent for there was a, people shooting up theatres playing Batman movies. There was a guy inspired by the Joker from The Dark Knight who turned up to a who, cinema and actively murdered people in the name of the Joker. Yeah, so it's not like this is an unfair question to ask, mm-hmm. given the precedent of someone inspired by the Joker shooting up a theatre playing a Batman movie when you're making a movie like related to the Batman series in which the primary thrust of the narrative is that a crazy person shooting somebody starts a revolution that fix, helps like put the world on a path towards being better. Mm-hmm. That is a very valid concern and legitimate question you can ask the creator who's putting that message out there. And just and when your response yeah. to it is just to not answer it or interact with that. They're just trying to be woke, Carl. Yeah. That's what it is, isn't it? Like, as we said, there's no precedent for this ever happening. Even though there was like a Batman movie where someone walked in and shot up a fucking cinema. Like, fuck and oddly me. enough, I have in the thing here that the film did not play in that theatre or even the city where it happened. Probably a good call. Yeah. Like, not not out of fear of it happening. Again, more out of like respect how for how fucking awful that tragedy was. Yeah, which means that they're aware of the fact that that happened but refuse to acknowledge it. Mm. And that's the thing is like, as an actor, like, you know what, like Robert Downey Jr playing Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe don't ask it, but like, when you're making this artsy film and you've got the director going on record as saying, I'm making a serious movie, I like that people, I'm not making comedies anymore, I'm making serious movies that people want to like, interact with. And then you're asked a serious question mm-hmm. about, and that's as well, giving you actually a lot of credit as a filmmaker that your film could have an impact on people. Yeah. Like, and you'd hope that the, the goal of all art is to impact people in some way. And then the question is, are you worried that the way it impacts people could be perhaps negative? Mm-hmm. That is a legitimate concern yeah. of like artists. And then the response to that being, fuck you, it speaks a lot about the maturity of the filmmaker and their attitude towards it. And yeah, I'm not I'm not just here to try and like meekly shit upon DC movies or to be some mm-hmm. weird contrarian that's like, no, I have to call out the Joker 
because it got good reviews or something. It just it's got a real problem with like glorifying mental health problems and like glorifying yep. the Joker. And then the fact that the filmmaker and the star were hesitant, if not like outright reluctant, to discuss that topic. It's like, okay, you're making a movie talking about it, but then you don't want to actually have the conversation. Mm. Like, what? And it's like that weird thing of like, they're saying that the Joker is a bad guy, but then everything that's happening on screen is like going against that. Of like the, the way they're portraying him and like, you know, showing him in shots and stuff as if he's like some kind of aspirational being but then just yeah, telling you that he's like, bad it's like that's not how it works though yeah the language of cinema is uh, pretty well known at this point mm. and uh, you know just from the trailers and stuff that's like they do frame him in the frame like you know in a heroic sense and that could be done in an ironic way they could be done as a, like, a way to deconstruct or subvert um, that expectation or then they, um, uh, application they of that technique use the words to tell you that he's a bad man but then don't shoot it like he is it's like um, a film that I'm like no more familiar with, the Watchmen one, where, yeah. um, you know, oddly enough, directed by Zack Snyder, where the characters are bad people. Mm-hmm. They were written to be bad people, like Alan Moore, the director, uh, not the director, the, the original author yeah. of the comic that they were based on, has gone on records like these characters are awful people. That is my intention, and they hint at it in the Watchmen movie, but the action and the way characters are framed, like Rorschach, is the best example of that. Of like he is framed through the language of the film as being a good guy and the things that he does are shown or portrayed as being good. Even though so they, all, they're not, but they're being shown as like, yeah, as being... The way the film portrays them, yeah. It's like when he's beating up people in prison, like the way the action's framed, um, it's just like, you know, it's a subtle... So, oh, but the, uh, the ends justify the means. Sort of thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is something that, you know, filmmakers should, like, you know, have their feet held to the fire for. Like, you know, if you if this is a message you were willing to put out there, you should, like, you know, feel comfortable being grilled on it. And if people, and like, have... haven't watched The Watchmen or, like, um, have, you know, watched it in a long time, like, think of, like, The Boys, where it's written as a breakdown of the Justice League and meant to show, yeah, like... It's a parody. Yeah, meant to be, like, a, a parody that shines a mirror back on, like what would these seven people with all these superpowers do? Yeah, and as far as I'm aware, a lot of people who worked on that film are more than happy to talk about what that means because they are creating art and they want Mm -hmm. to open up a dialogue about the things that they're saying in the movie and are more than happy to have that conversation in... You know, as, in as much as they're willing to do so when it's framed. Like, they don't want to be bothered on the street about it, but in interviews and stuff... I'm sure any creative would welcome like a, a nuanced like analysis of their work and a discussion about it. And like, regardless of what you think of his movies, even Zack Snyder's willing to have a conversation about it. They're awful to watch, but he's he's more than happy to talk about his movies he's, for a very yeah, long time. He will he will at least sit there and try to, you know, discuss and defend his choices. Whereas mm-hmm. Todd Phillips won't even give you that. Oh, it said he banned journalists from his movie. Just cut out for a second there. Discord being Discord. No, no problem. You were saying? I was just saying, like, uh, he wasn't even willing to uh, engage in that way because I said just bans journalists from coming to the premiere. Yeah, that's, all, because that's he one I've not heard of before. Like, I didn't realise that, yeah. It's really confusing, isn't it? Like, have you ever heard of anybody doing that? I'm sure there are cases in, in like, history of people doing it, but, like, I can't think of one in modern times of, like, I don't 
want to hear what these specific blacklisted journalists want to say about my movie. Yeah, so it says here that so uh, journalists were disinvited from the prepare the uh, the TCL Chinese Theatre and only photographers were allowed to interact with filmmakers. And I, I do, to be fair, in terms of games, know that like there's a um, like Activision do it quite like, a bit with like blacklisting certain reviewers and stuff. But the idea of not letting them interact with the crew, it just says mm-hmm. a lot. Does and it's one of those things where don't talk about this thing and the question that was being asked is perfectly legitimate of hey media has an impact on people do you, do think, you think that yours will have a negative impact fuck off just no like i didn't realize that when we were going to be discussing this movie it just like i just wanted to talk about the fact that, yeah you know it's fine but like i i really have problems with the depiction of mental health but yeah also the fact that the director's like fuck off i don't even want to discuss the problems of like mental health and what this movie might do to people yeah it should point that's a decision that was also supported by warner bros Mm -hmm. so warner bros backed that decision to uh, ban journalists um uh, from asking any questions of the filmmakers and they said in a quote a lot has been said about the joker and we feel it's about time for people to see the film Honestly, if it weren't for, like, a lot of the discussion to be had, I probably would have forgot about it. Yeah. But, like, it was... But stuff like this just still is fresh in my mind of, like, Mm -hmm. I don't really want to give this movie the time of day when, like... Honestly, I... I, If you've got the qualms that you have with it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Like, I don't think it's It's notable of a movie enough, apart from to have a discussion about it. The idea that Warner Bros, the studio, are like, do not talk about our movie. Like, the yeah. idea of anyone creating a piece of art, because that's what media is, this mm-hmm. is art. Yeah. You can say it's like not it's not necessarily high art, but it is art. It's art of some form, yeah. Actively discouraging and banning people from discussing it, having a conversation about it instead of just, no. And that, the criticism that's often levied against like Marvel movies mm-hmm. is that they're you know, popcorn blockbusters shoveled out to entertain the masses. And there's no real depth there. This is like literally that because it's like don't talk. There's a joke Red Letter Media make all the time about the just glut of comic book movies that get released of just mm-hmm. don't think about product, just consume product and get excited for next product. Yeah. This yeah. is literally that of don't talk about it, don't think about it, watch it, and then go on to the next thing. We don't actually care if you like it or any thoughts mm-hmm. about it. Just watch it. When I find that ironic because in the case of the Joker. I think it's a movie that's trying to sell. It's trying to tell a story and have a message. Yeah, and I, I would argue that the discussion and the conversation to be had around the movie is way more interesting than the movie. Um, I think like, again, like I, I don't want to sit here and I'm not using the words in my mouth to say like it is an actively bad film. I just think it's a bit of a like fine slash forgettable film with a bad message. Mm-hmm. We have a quote here from Todd Phillips, which I think is quite ironic. Uh, it's good to have these discussions about movies about violence. Why is it a bad thing if the movie does lead to a discourse about it? And this is from the man who uh, <laughs> endorsed banning journalists from having a discourse about the violence uh, in the movie. I'll say that I don't mind people having a discourse, but I don't want to invite not- the discourse. Yeah. You can have one, but I'm not going to take part not, in it. I'm like, literally not going to invite you to see the discourse happen. Oh dear, and like oh, just I just I can't get over the just general 
concept that people keep having of I need to intrinsically link Batman and Joker together. And like the interesting part is that they they have nothing to do with each other and they're not linked. Is 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 Batman in that movie? No, no. But Bruce Wayne is in that movie, and the reason that his parents die is because somebody has taken the message of the Joker and goes and purposefully murders <sighs> Thomas Wayne. They can't help themselves, can no. they? Like someone actively hunts Thomas Wayne down to murder him because of the Joker's message. So that's the thing we talk about all the time when it comes to Batman. Like, I love the idea of the DC and Batman and stuff like that, but just the facts that seemingly DC themselves do not believe that their characters have enough like weight to them mm-hmm. to stand on their own, that they have to link it back to Batman, and it's so desperate and cloying of like, especially something like the Joker where they went out of their way to talk about how, like that quote from Todd Phillips of like, we're not making a, um, a comic book movie that Wahine Phoenix is in. Wahine yeah. Phoenix is in a movie that comic book shit happens in. But then... And then, do, like, explicitly writing a story that sets up a potential sequel where Batman's in it. It's like, for Let's, let's also point out that halfway through the movie, um, his mum tells him that he's Thomas Wayne's son. Then it turns oh, out no. that his mum's insane. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out his mum's <sighs> insane. So I got really annoyed and early turned off when it was like, you're Thomas Wayne's son. I was like, he can't be the brother of Batman. Then he isn't the brother of Batman. His mum's just insane, and he was like tortured. She's as a making child. it up. Um, and then it's like, oh, after they he finds out that like he might be his dad, he goes and visits Bruce Wayne, interacts with Bruce Wayne, hunts down Thomas Wayne to have a conversation with him, who of course punches him, and then because he's like, a crazy man accosting him son. and his children. And he's like, never touch my son again, which, you know, fair enough. Um, That's the thing. If a crazy man came up to you on the street and started harassing your child, you'd be like, get the fuck away from him. But then it's like, it's constant of just like, it needs to be about Thomas Wayne. It needs to be about Bruce Wayne. It's like, why does it need to be about either of these characters? And <sighs> just like, please. Yeah. I was it never interested back. in the relationship between... Bruce Wayne and the Joker before, like he became Batman or what? Like that's never been the interesting part of that relationship. It's more interesting that they have nothing to do with each other, mm-hmm. and that that's the Bruce whole Wayne, like, point of Batman and Joker's relationship mm-hmm. is that Joker is just like the embodiment of chaos, which is they something they directly crib in the Nolan movies. But it's like Joker is just an agent of chaos, and yeah. that's why he's a threat because he doesn't have any rhyme or reason to what he's doing. He's doing it because he can. And his relationship with Batman is that Batman is trying like a symbol of order. Mm-hmm. That is the crux of their relationship. There is very there's little more to it than that. Is that the Joker sees it as a game? Yeah. And um, all the bits. Let's 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 get the list up. All the bits that annoyed me. Uh... Okay. The fact that through the entire movie, uh, they show it early on, is when he gets nervous, he comes out with a cackling laughter. Okay. And, laughing um, when he's nervous, pretty common. Laughing when he's nervous, and he has like a little card that's like, this is a mental um, predisposition. Like I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. I'm laughing because I laugh in awkward situations and it can't be stopped. Okay. And then eventually like he finds out, like, oh, mum, you lied to me. Um, and he's like, oh, that whole laughing when I shouldn't laugh thing, that's not a mental illness, is it? That's just who I am. And that's the reason that the Joker laughs. 
okay. uh, everything. He's just he laughs. He's everything just he's born that way. He's born. He's born to laugh at everything. He was born to be a serial killer. He was. He, he was. Bo- he was born to be the Joker. Essentially, is what they're saying. He was born to be that character. So he was predisposed to be a person who shoots people. Yep. And um, then also just like the line, the line, but as he murders his mother, I always thought my life was a tragedy and now I realise it's a comedy. That's, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I cringed but, at that line. Do you know who I can see saying that line? The Joker in the animated series. <laughs> Yeah. That sounds like something the Joker in the animated As series As he's like laughing say. and dancing around or some shit, not murdering yeah. his mum who abused and lied to him. Because that's the problem with like live action versions of a Joker. If you try and make him that kind of Joker, like the Wahine Phoenix, like by all accounts, like his performance as a, in the film is good. You, you can't not watch to be the for Joker. But being the Joker and being like that crazy, outlandish, heightened version of the Joker does not suit the tone of the movie they're trying to make. Like, Jack Nicholson live-action Joker, that suit the tone. Mm-hmm. Like, I can imagine Jack Nicholson Joker saying that line. Yeah, 100%. Because of, like, you know, the heightened reality of that universe. But they say it in such, like, a way as if this is the most poignant shit you've ever heard. Yeah, it's a line that's clearly... You can see... You can't see it as something the Joker just said off the cuff. You can see it as a line written on a script. Mm-hmm. It's too perfect to be something the character said in the moment. And then also, like, um, so the like, end of the movie, he gets invited onto this, like, talk show. It's like, you know, similar That's to, like... That's the scene I've seen. Yeah, yeah, like a, you know, Conan O'Brien, Jimmy Fallon kind of show where they, like, just... Do you think this is funny? Um, yes, and I'm tired of pretending, everyone pretending that it's not, and it's like... Well, the, the reason that he gets invited on the show is because, like, he does really bad stand-up where he awkwardly laughs at his own jokes. They show that, and then... He's like, oh, this guy thinks he's a comedian. He's some kind of joker. And then he comes on this when he gets invited on because of like people responded to him. They basically invite him on to be a joke. Mm. And he's like, no, I don't want you to introduce me as Arthur Fleck. I don't like that name. I want you to introduce me as Joker. So like, what? He's like, well, that's what you called jo- me, isn't it? I'm a joker. Joe, that is there. That's on the level of Dark Knight Rises of. Oh, no, that's not my real name. What's your real name? Robin. <laughs> it is, it is. And everyone in the audience just like, goes, oh, oh, for fuck's sake. And it's, it's moments like that that's taught me out so much because, because that is a movie they, line in a script. Yeah, it's not something the character would mm. say. And I'm just, I was there like, oh. I also like that thing because one of the other criticisms of the movie is like, it is very incelly. So I, yes. the, those weird men who are like aggressively towards women and react poorly um, to their masculinity or just themselves being challenged in any way. And just that line there of he went on stage, be a comedian, he's a shit comedian and people laugh at him and he's like, his reaction is just like anger. Mm-hmm. Is it accurate to say that there's like, maybe it's not direct, but there's some inferment of that. Like you could take that from the movie. Would you say as someone who watched it recently? Uh, yeah, like that's definitely up to interpretation, but a little bit, yeah. Like, is are there elements of that in there of like the toxic masculinity thing of just a man insisting that he can do this thing and being like angrily responding when he can't? There are definitely elements of it, and like another, like bad, I guess, and really just 
poorly contrived thing that happened is just like um there's a woman played by Zazie Beats, um, and she like has one line of like interaction with him in the elevator mm-hmm. to go to the flats. Which then of course, um, he becomes obsessed with her and starts stalking her and dating so that's her. Where it comes in. Yeah. Um but then to add the cherry on top of the cake, he's been imagining it all along. And he was alone uh, the so entire time. He was in an imagined relationship with a woman. Because she showed him a bit of human affection. Or human interaction. Do they have a bit... Is he angry about that? Uh, like, is he angry that she did this? Because like they had an imagined... Because that would be the most incelly thing of like a guy having an imagined relationship with a woman she's not aware of and then having to apologize for or bear the brunt of the guy's frustration not quite but the way that you find out that she was imagining the entire time is like he walks into her flat sits down on the sofa and then she comes back in from like sending her daughter to bed and he's like what the fuck are you doing on my flat arthur like this is not your flat right and he's like oh i've I've just had a bad day and it kind of like it you know kind of leaves it there and instantly it's like Mm. we don't know what he did to her and it's just like, okay. Alright. It's like I there's so many things in that movie where like I would have a like slight you know appreciation of mental health and film at the age of fifteen and write off the script. Oh he's gone. No, I'm still here, I'll just like oh, okay. listen to you that space. I thought you'd done I was just yeah. like slowly just going <sighs> it sounds like I'm making some of this up because it's something I would write as That's a high it, schooler. It, it sounds so over like that Joker line of like, like I said, I am unfavorably comparing it to the line in Dark Knight Rises where <laughs> Joseph Gordon Levitt's like, "My name's Robin." Yeah, like it's like, and he's saying it to camera. Mm-hmm. It's like it's so obviously a line written to appear in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're all bits I enjoyed of the movie, don't get me wrong. And, like, mm-hmm. I think... Mostly the acting. Mostly the acting. Mostly the acting. Like, Joaquin Phoenix is great. And, like, I appreciated that moment where he, like... Because he goes on to the talk show with the idea of, like, oh, I'm just going to end it. Um, I shoot myself. And, like, he doesn't. He, he makes a point about being, like, downtrodden and the poor. Like, you know, being people as well. And then shoots the the host of the show and i'm like if this was in a different movie i'd probably like that scene but like the fact that all of the build-up towards it makes me cringe and like, uh, like that's the thing i always describe as like cringing mm-hmm. because it's the joker and i think like there's a lot of just the outside world leaking into this like there's been so much like even before the release of the joker the amount of people who like base their personality on the joker mm-hmm and was obsessed with him, made the character already in my head quite cringy. And then the release of this one, the amount of people who were like, again, basing their personality on it. And that's not a fault of the movie, but it's something I feel like the movie should have been aware of. Because like, if this was just like Taxi Driver. Because if, yeah, where ta- exactly. T- Taxi Driver is the exact same kind of film. It's just a guy who's mentally ill, is obsessed with this one thing and goes out and just commits a horrific act and of violence. Taxi Driver is a much better movie because fucking, of course it's, it is. It's like... yeah. Because it's, it's taxi, taxi driver. driver. <laughs> and, it's, and oddly enough, it's Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah. 
So imagine what it was like for Robert De Niro to turn up and basically be a bit player in a movie that's just ripping off he's something he's on he did the other end. Years. He's the guy being shot in Taxi Driver, not the guy in yeah. Taxi Driver. It's like, oh, okay. And then imagine being part of that movie and hearing the director talk about it was really hard to write this movie. It's like you just watch Taxi Driver and chase <laughs> the names, and hearing him like wax poetic about how important it is, and so it's like, what? Yeah. And just like oh. it's, it's just taxi driver. Might, might as well be with like the Joker slapped in there and a few cringy ass lines put in. And that's the thing. Yeah, if it was just a random cat, like it's it's not funny or cringy when Travis Bickle does that because you know I'm investing. But the instant I imagine that Wahi Phoenix puts the makeup on and in your head all you can see is all the memes. Mm-hmm. And he does that, and again, not fault of the movie, but it's like just the moment that like you can't take it seriously. And that like, that is part of the discussion to be had because like yeah, I 100. percent as I said earlier, I'm pre predisposition to like not like this movie because of the memes or because of the the awful culture around this movie of like glorifying the Joker. So yeah, I probably haven't given it as much of a fair shot as I probably should have done. Um, and that's just something about being a human being and taking in yeah. other aspects. Think- like it's really hard to be objective when you're watching something. Yeah, things don't exist in a vacuum. No. Like, nothing exists in a vacuum, and it's that thing of, like, the movie, from my perspective, it did itself a disservice just, like, with the lead-up to it, like, the very poor way it was handled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, the fact that the director was unwilling to address and interact with the criticism. Yep. Um, just left an immediate sour taste in my mouth, which is just, like, you know, arguably unfairly coloured my perception of this movie to the point now where I still can't be in a position to watch it in an objective sense. And like hearing you talk about it, it's probably done even more of that, so I'm going to have to wait even longer yeah, 100%. before I can go sit so, down like, and watch yeah, it. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, yeah, um, definitely gone into this with, like, not giving this movie a fair shot, probably. But at the same time, like, I can still sit there and see the cringy lines and see the poor depiction of mental health. Yeah, and there's probably someone out there like... Uh, it, but it did really well at the box office. Like you can like things that are Avatar did oh, well you can at the dis- box office. It doesn't mean it's yeah. a good fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, you can dislike things that are popular and good mm-hmm. to other people. And the same token, you can like things that aren't very good or popular. It's called having an opinion. And this is to not sit, you know sit here and we don't really often talk about like Marvel movies being bad because like they're generally apart from like a, Six. Cu- a couple like you know I. Thor 2 is a bad movie but like they're they're all just as you say like they're popcorn flicks and they don't really do anything too wrong or too right yeah and they don't take the kind of risks that this movie was taking like addressing such a sensitive topic like sensitive topics are broached in Marvel movies and stuff on occasion but they've not had one surface level yeah they've not had one that's supposed to be an in-depth character study of a person suffering from mental illness and then just to see if that be made and then to the creators being unwilling to foster any sort of conversation about what it is they've created except in the very specific sterile way that they insist upon and then to see them derisively discard um, uh, like legitimate criticisms that are born out of in a lot of cases like you know in the case of the Aurora shootings like there's a genuine concern for people's safety here very strange there we go Discord again. It's okay, I made my thing. But yeah, um, I made my point there. But so you'd recommend the film, but you're still not a fan, is what you're saying. 
depends depends where you sit really like if watching a movie oh no what is it uh oh okay Ooh. my audition froze for a second i'm like please keep recording Ooh. um but yeah like if you if you're listening to this and being like i really don't fancy watching a movie where like they glorify depression and, and like you know mental health and stuff like maybe give it a miss obviously i'm a bit late telling you this three years late but um it's not a bad movie if you want to see a movie with Joaquin Phoenix performing well like go ahead yeah just rubbing his acting chops all over the film he's a phenomenal actor like I I cannot state that enough of just I watched that movie and I'm just cringing through my awe of Joaquin Phoenix he did it well He, he did it very well and if it weren't for the fact Joaquin Phoenix was in this movie, I might have stopped watching it. But, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. And he's like, the best part of most movies is it. I've got another quote here from Todd Phillips um, uh, after his diatribe about not being able to make comedy anymore. So it's like, <laughs> so how do I do something irreverent but fuck comedy? Oh, I know. Let's take a comic book movie universe and turn it on its head. And that's, that's, yeah, that's quite evident, I guess, because, like, all that shit I was saying about, like, why do you have to do all of this with, like, Bruce Wayne and Thomas Wayne one. and the characters? Is... I've got one if <laughs> When speaking about the movie's influences, at a later date, um, uh, uh, Phillips cited Scorsese films, such as Taxi Driver, <laughs> Raging Bull, and The King of Comedy, as well as his own Hangover trilogy. There we go. So he's, put in, you, he's, want... put, he's put in the Hangover trilogy in the same fucking like category of inspirations as Raging Bull. If you want to know what this movie is, it's what happens if Martin Scorsese was actually just the guy that made Hangover. Well, I think Scorsese was part of the film. Like, he was a producer for a while, but then dropped out. That doesn't surprise me. Like, he dropped up. But that thing of, like, I think that sums up the guy right there, where he's so up his own ass, so pretentious. He is literally holding up the Hangover trilogy as being in the same vein as Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. Of being of, like, equal importance to the like, thing of the script. And it's like, how much of the Hangover did you spot in that a, movie compared to how much of Taxi yeah, Driver was there in that film? A trilogy of good to bad, you know, sequentially, like, alright comedy films that just get worse and worse compared to fucking taxi driver fucking Scorsese like Scorsese in his prime yeah not even like modern Scorsese like where the Irishman is apparently like not quite as good you know still good movie still very good movie but like Mm -hmm. fucking Scorsese like in his prime and he's like yeah also the hangover yeah the hangover trilogy According to Phillips, he didn't see the movie as that different from his previous works, including the Hangover trilogy. Uh, I just bet he's just still salty that Hangover 3 got bad reviews. It was a shit movie. (laughs) And the Hangover 2 was just the Hangover 1. Lucas. With Jen Ken Jong in it. Lucas, like, do you know that that's some like woke far left nonsense (laughs) right there, mate? It's like you just you can't laugh about anything these days. And I can only imagine as well, Joe, all that, like, those lines, because, like, Todd Phillips did write the scripts mm-hmm. alongside another guy. Those lines of, with the Jokers just being like, um, uh, I'm tired of not being able to laugh about these things. Mm-hmm. 
It really puts those into perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. Knowing all this. Mm-hmm. All those last speech he does about um, uh, things not being funny. So you're not supposed to laugh at that. So like, I'm tired of being told that I can't laugh at things. So like, oh, I murdered three guys. Oh, okay. Isn't that... F- it's did the ultimate joke, Lucas. Death yeah, by, I did find that funny. Death by Great. gunshot. The, 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 the sad thing is, like, as good as Joaquin, perform- Joaquin Phoenix's performance is, it will never be as good as just that introduction of the Joker and doing the pencil trick. Uh, like, at the end of the day, it's one of those of, like, Heath Ledger got a better script to work with. Yeah. But we're never going to get any on-screen Joker that has as much... Because like, the Joker in The Dark Knight is um, one of those famous stories where he's only on screen for, like, 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's barely on screen. And he's, and the, he's the, the entire movie. Part of the entire movie. Yeah. He's all the marketing. He's all that people remember about it. He is the movie. And, like... Yeah. That entire movie would not exist without him. Like, that performance carried that movie and has elevated it to the status of, like, one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. But, like, goddamn, if Joaquin Phoenix got to play a Joker with the level of, like, script writing and directing that The Dark Knight did... Yeah, and that level of, um, uh, like, just... Care and attention. Artistry, yeah. yeah. Like, with a Christopher Nolan who was just obsessed... Um, uh, with like camera work and realizing like practical effects and all that sort of thing. And again, don't get me wrong, I think there's some really good shots in the Joker. Like, obviously, disregard what we're saying about like mental health and stuff. Like, but um, it's a good looking movie. It's by all accounts. like that shot on the steps. There's a reason that like people are taking photos of it. Like, it's a good shot. It straight up is. It's the, it's, the sh- it's the shot on the poster. Yeah, and like the, some well done work in that movie. And it's not as if it's like the worst movie ever. It's a solid 7 out of 10 as far as I'm concerned. But I just have like, as somebody that really gives a shit about talking about like mental health and stuff, like it really gives mm-hmm. me some problems. Is I think it's a very problematic script. Yeah, and to just know that you're if you wanted to raise these concerns with the director, he'd tell you, fuck mm-hmm. off. That doesn't make any better. Oh, man. Can we just talk about as well? I, I just Something I'm probably not going to get a chance to mention for a while is a descriptor I saw of Christian Bale. Mm. So the last thing I want to mention is like, because um, I wrote an article a while ago about Christian Bale in, um, uh, what's he called now? Patrick Bateman movie. American, American Psycho. Psycho, yeah. Uh, where in that, because Christian Bale being a method actor was super scary on set because he was method acting as a sociopath so all of his co-workers and stuff thought that he was a bad actor because whenever they spoke to him or saw him acting they were like well he's not emoting in any scenes oh like he, he, all of his emotions look so fake and it's like because he's playing a sociopath that that's terrifying. how Patrick ba- Patrick Bateman doesn't have any real emotions they're all fake and for an actor to be able to like put that many layers into their performance is incredible. And yeah. just a one-line description I saw about like just the history of um, Christian Bale being a method actor was, Christian Bale might be the only actor working in Hollywood today who could be convincingly cast and play either the Batman or Joker. And when I saw that, <laughs> I went, holy, f- I never thought of that. Because he could. Yeah, he really could. He could have been cast he could have been cast as either the Joker or the Batman in that series, and they would have both been good. When you when you watch him as Patrick Bateman, like you hundred percent could see him turn it into the Joker. Like obviously yeah, the I'm not if saying I'm, the character, but like the actor. 
Yeah, imagine that perf- level of performance of like being a psychopath, mm-hmm. but he's just wearing Joker makeup. And I was like, that just one line blew my mind. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, that's incredible. So I can't think if there's any actor out there who's like, could do that. And that speaks to the level of like, you know, Jared talent Leto, he right? possesses. <laughs> What's the other thing about that movie where like, my girlfriend pointed out when we were doing the video and she went, it was it's so baffling that Jared Leto went on to play the Joker and was really bad at it despite acting opposite Christian Bale in American Psycho. He had literal front row tickets because he's the guy who Christian Bale kills with the fire mm-hmm. axe. Like he had a front row seat to one of the best, most convincing and terrifying performances of a sociopathic serial killer ever committed to film. <laughs> and then he threw and it all he, away to send dead rats to his co-stars. And he fucked it up. Oh, man. Like, he saw firsthand what good acting for us, like, you know, that kind of character looks like and didn't do it. And I just want to point out something that made me lose my shit about Christian Bale. Go on, man. Was this Go on, then. on. It was like... It was framing Christian Bale um, uh, in a before and after um, for that. I can't remember what movie it was, but the movie gained quite a bit of weight. Uh, That will have been the one where he's playing Dick Cheney. Potentially. I think. And then there's The Machinist where he lost all the weight as well. They didn't include The Machinist because, of course, we're talking about revisionist history. But it was basically a before and after of, like, Christian Bale being older but fat and then pretending as in Christian Bale 10 years beforehand getting fit for the Batman was like the after and they were framing it as if <laughs> Christian Bale went from being like this tat, fat tired old man to like this built buff dude and he'd like done some kind of transformative workout routine that turned him into like this buff guy it's like the thing is I bet if you somehow convince Christian Bale to come back as Batman, he would get in shape again. Yeah, but like the idea that they're framing Christian Bale as a guy that was super fat and ugly, and then he like brought his life around and got fit and like you know, this especially baffling considering that as well. Christian Bale is currently like the face of the meme, like the Patrick Bateman meme mm-hmm. is now so popular because like he's like the face they use for like all those um. Uh, Sigma male piss take ones. Oh, right, yeah. And, like, yeah, the, you've got roles like Patrick Bateman, and then he's, like, you know, obviously there's a few years between that and uh, Batman Begins, but he gets super buff of Batman Begins. He then gets, mm. like, skinny to the point where you can see his rib cage in The the Machinist. A year later, yeah. is buff again for, like, The Dark Knight. Oh, I can't remember if it's he's... The Dark Knight to Returns or... Either way, like, he, get, he got buff again. Yeah, yeah. and it's then, good. like, got fat and got fit again, and it's, like, Christian Bale's just a madman that keeps transforming his body for roles, but people just took the highlights of Christian Bale's, like, buffness and fatness and put them together like a before and after TikTok. I was like, oh, my God. It's technically, it was before and after, because that's what he did do, but he just got really... That's what happens when he got millions of dollars and are fucking insane. <laughs> and I saw ones as well, like, conversations about, like... um I don't know why Kumail Nanjiani got so buff for Eternals. He didn't need to get as buff as he did because he wasn't in that many action scenes. It's like, no, but he also got given, like, six months of unlimited budget and personal trainers to, like, get him in whatever shape he wanted. Yeah, why would you not? Yeah, exactly. Like, 
take those three resources that Disney has thrown at you and just get fucking get jacked. Is that what he wants to do? And he's got those resources available for free and almost limited time to do it. Just do it. And yeah, people are like, yeah, but it doesn't really uh, make sense because the character doesn't throw many punches. He's uh, like, but if I'd, you I'd got offered that. that, would you not just take it? Yeah, why not? I'm, I'm loving that one though. He could play Batman or Joker. That's incredible. It blew my mind. It blew my, because I was like, that's 100 percent right. Yeah, if he'd have been cast as the Joker in that series, I can see him like nailing it. Yeah, and like, yeah, I just, I, I, I'd never want Heath Ledger's Joker to be replaced, but. If in the future you said like, oh, there's a new comic book coming, out, new comic book, new comic book movie coming out, starring the Joker and Christian Bale's the Joker, I'd be like, yeah, cool, done. Like even even put, framing it, it as like some weird multiversal thing of like Bruce Wayne becoming the Joker, like I could see Christian Bale doing that shit. Next me, that's he plays that role so well, and I just found that really hilarious. And, like, I don't mind, again, I, we can talk about, like, interpretations. I said earlier, I don't mind interpretations that change characters for a reason. But just when the reason is I need to make sure that the Joker and Batman are linked in some way, I start cringing. And it's just... Uh, and so what, with that noise, just summing up, like, our thoughts. Lucas, um, uh, what you got to plug? Uh, twitch.tv slash legend of Kanto. Uh, Fuck yeah. I like as well, we leave for the housekeeping, we leave our we stuff do, right there. We do. We do. But I have something to wrap it up with. And uh, For mine, twitch.tv forward slash Carl's Wood, but I'll be away for a couple of weeks because I'll be uh, abroad. But you can check my social media if you want to see pictures of the zoo that You're going to be so confused when you come back to Majora's Mask after like two weeks out. <laughs> Not really. She keeps the same three days over and over again, so I should be all right. Yeah. That's the whole point, is that it's just the same couple of days over and over again. It's going to be a very different couple of days. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Thank you all for listening. Yeah, thank you.